The Miami Hurricanes are assuredly feeling tired and weak tonight. And when you feel tired and weak, sometimes you want to give up. Wide receiver Brian Hightower gave up on Monday. He followed Cleveland Reed, Derek Smith, and Nigel Bethel out the door since August. So as the Miami Hurricanes prepare to travel to Pittsburgh for what some want to call the biggest game of the season, simply because of what losing again would mean, there's a very simple question that must be answered this week. Is anybody else going to quit? Saturday in Pittsburgh, you will begin to find out if there's any hope for the Manny Diaz era at Miami, which is in a perilous state following a 3-4 and four start to a season that just was not supposed to be this difficult. The Canes quit on Mark Rick last year. And we want to take a second here to wish the coach a brisk recovery from the heart attack that he suffered yesterday. But yeah, they did quit last season. And I'm sure that that had a lot to do with Rick heading for retirement. Will they quit on Diaz this year? Or will they be willing to expend maximum, maximum effort to try to become eligible for a second or even third tier bowl game in December? The Canes just lost at home to a Georgia Tech team considered to be the worst in the ACC this season. And that has left everyone associated with the program in a bit of a somber mood. Some are going to want to slough it off to the three missed field goals that certainly played a big part. But along the way, the Hurricanes failed to protect their quarterback as he was sacked and stripped of the ball in the end zone. DJ Ivy forgot to cover a flyer on a punt who turned himself into a receiver and scored a gimme touchdown. And the Canes defense missed an astonishing, an absolutely astonishing 29 tackles as Georgia Tech went smash mouth on them in the second half. Needless to say, tackling was getting a huge focus at practice today with Manny Diaz presiding over those tackling drills himself. So the failure Saturday left Miami in yet another life-and-death battle in the ACC. And this one went the same way that too many of them have been going for way too long now. And the chances are pretty good that we're going to see yet another one of them Saturday in Pittsburgh, where the Canes must get ready for another noon game. This one in the cold of a late October day in Pittsburgh. So is anybody going to quit, or are they going to show up? The best way to sum all of this up is that the Canes are back, where unfortunately we have seen them before. They are at a crossroad. Judgment comes with you, cause it's gonna 
again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and I welcome you once again to Canesport Live, presented again this year by Sicilian Oven Restaurants. Win or lose, you can go eat some damn good food at one of those six Sicilian Oven locations throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you'll not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show, and it will be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. We have 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. You know the drill. You want to come on the show, you hit the number one on your keypad after you call in. That places you in the queue. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. Been been pounded all afternoon by one of our regular callers, Mr. Everything 305, who tells me he has a bombshell for the audience this evening. But he's not number one in the queue. So we're going to have to wait for it because we've got to uh, play by the rules like we always do. And our good buddy, Greg, is going to be first up, as he often is. He's mastered that science of getting into the number one slot on the show. So we've got to give him his fair due and let him go first. But uh, I believe everything 305 is number two, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to double-check that. But uh, he promises a bombshell for the audience tonight. So I just figured I'd uh, let you know about that. In the meantime, we once again ask subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. We will address them tonight as we move forward. So, all right, obviously there's quite a bit to talk about tonight. And uh, I'm not going to delay too too long here. But, but I also spent some time today at basketball practice as well. So if anybody has any basketball-related questions, feel free to uh, bring them on tonight as we're, I guess, um, about – 10 days, I think, before the start of the season um, or so. So uh, basketball is coming upon us quick. I liked what I saw today at practice. Uh, so if anybody wants to hear about that, feel free to ask. Um, but obviously at three and four with five games to play, four of them on the road, things are not looking really good for the football Hurricanes. And um, we had a chance to talk to Blake James today about the football program among other things. And not surprisingly, he tried to be upbeat and positive about what he thinks Manny Diaz is going to do in the future. Um, Here's a little bit of what he had to say. Maybe I look at it differently. I don't look at it as a total rebuild. Um, Again, as I've said, we're we're three and four. Uh, I think you could, anyone who's watched the games, seen the the effort uh, that's put forward by the team throughout I think anyone who has an understanding of the game recognizes that uh, plays that 90% of the time go your way uh, in certain occasions haven't gone our way. So I could easily have us at, at five and two, and I think as an optimist could could see us at seven and zero. Oh. With that said, the reality is we're three and four, and that's what we'll, we'll deal with, and that's who we are. Um, that's what the uh, that's what the uh, win loss column says. And so I know Coach Diaz is focused on having our guys ready to 
uh, go this weekend and, and give their best effort and, and hopefully bring home a victory from Pittsburgh. And we got the best person for the job. And so, again, regardless of the length of the search, anytime you do a search, you want to get the best person for the job, regardless of uh, hope whatever profession that's in. I'll say I can only speak from athletics, but in athletics, you want to always try to get the best person for the job. And so, uh, to me, there's no point of, of going through things just to say you did them. Uh, you go out and you find the best person for the job. Manny Diaz is the best person for the job. I feel felt that way on December 30th. I feel that way today, and I'm confident I'll feel that way in the future. Again, I think you're always making changes. I think Manny's, Manny's made changes already. Uh, he's been vocal uh, and, and, I guess I'll say, public about some. Um, and, and there's changes that uh, are constantly made a thing, and that's what coaches do. You have to look at the situation and then put your team in the best position possible to win the game. Uh, you know, I've said it before, we want to win every game. I think everyone smart enough to know there isn't a program in the country that wins every game every year. It's just the reality of sports. That's why we play it, and uh, uh, we're going to go out and do the very best that we can every, every week. Uh, but to you know, answer your question, Manny's going to be making changes uh, each week. Uh, and, and honestly, during the game, uh, I'm confident he'll continue to do those things, and, and he'll continue to grow, and uh, we'll continue to get better as a program. Is Manny and I are in regular communication. Uh, he wants to win. Uh, I want to win. Uh, we both know uh, our fans want us to win. And so those are things that we have to address on an ongoing basis. I don't, I don't believe in waiting to the end of the year and then looking back and saying, well, we should have changed this or we could have done this different. If there's things that we can change right now, let's change them right now. If there's things that we need to change at the end of the year, then we'll change things at the end of the year. Uh, but uh, we're not sitting back looking at something and saying, hey, this, is, this needs to change, but we're going to wait to the end of the year and then we'll fix it. Um, you know, things, we, things need to be fixed uh, as we move along. Uh, we got five games left in the football season, and uh, I know he's focused on doing everything he can to make sure our guys are in the best position to go out and execute and bring home uh, five victories. All right, so you, you heard what the AD had to say, and look, I, I mean, everyone's very upset. That's obvious and, and with obvious reasons, and I don't think there's any question you know, you've been hearing me say on the boards on a regular basis, don't blame Manny, don't blame Manny. And I really, I feel that wholeheartedly. I, I, I think Manny Diaz is like Blake James, putting everything into trying to get it done. Um, if his toolbox, and um, I'll preface this by saying that this is an extremely difficult job at the University of Miami as the head football coach, maybe tougher than it's ever been because of all the extracurricular things that go on in college football and the way that the SEC has invaded South Florida. And that's your base of talent uh, that you're hoping will be the foundation of your team. So maybe this job is tougher than it's ever been. And if Manny's toolbox proves to not be sufficient to be able to get this program on the right track with all of the things that go into being the head coach at Miami right now. Uh, I don't think that's Manny's fault. I, I mean, I think that was Blake James's responsibility to evaluate that and make that determination. And as a football coach, as the defensive coordinator of the hurricanes for the last three years, Manny Diaz had every reason to try to get the head coaching job here. Okay. I mean, so I, I honestly, I'm not blaming Manny very much. I mean, obviously some coaching things have fallen through the cracks this year. When you miss 29 tackles, something's not right. Uh, 
you know, and, and the defense has not been as good as it was expected to be and is definitely not at the same level that it was the previous three years. Uh, no doubt about that. Obviously, the kicking game has been a total disaster. I, you know, I would have a couple questions there. Uh, you know, Bubba Baxa is, is clearly a kicker that has confidence issues, that is fighting mental demons in being the type of kicker that his ability suggests, his you know, raw physical ability suggests that he should be. Was it really the right move to bench him? You know, I mean, are you really accomplishing a whole heck of a lot by throwing a walk-on out there? It worked for a couple kicks in the Virginia game. Didn't work very well the other day. And uh, is that really such a surprise when you're throwing a walk-on kid out there who's never kicked in a college football game before or, you know, who wouldn't have been offered a single scholarship by anybody in the country? I'm not sure that was the right move. And, and, I, and I think Bubba Baxa might be permanently gone in terms of his mental state. I don't know if he'll ever be able to function as a college kicker again because of the trauma and experience that he's gone through here in the last few weeks. Um, I hope I'm proven wrong. I'd love to see him make a comeback and kick great. But when I looked at him the other night, right in his eyes, I saw uh, a damaged kid, a a kid that is just mentally broken down. And uh, so I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. Um, I, I think that the Canes will be in the market for a graduate transfer at kicker after this year and we'll be um, potentially looking to move on from Bubba Baxter, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out um, here in, in the final weeks. I also very quickly wanted to touch on a story that broke today in Tallahassee, suggesting that the Seminole boosters are ready to buy out Willie Taggart and make a run at urban Meyer, which obviously would be a devastating development for the Miami hurricanes. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, you put Urban Meyer in Tallahassee. I don't care how much baggage he has at Ohio State and Florida and everywhere else. You put Urban Meyer in Tallahassee recruiting the state of Florida with the momentum that the Florida Gators are already building up in Gainesville. And it would just make things all the more tough for Manny Diaz and, and the Hurricanes in, in recruiting and, and um, c- capturing the attention of future prospects and things like that. And um, I think that's something that everybody should be hoping does not happen now. The one thing I did, I did do, make some phone calls and did some digging into that because of the ramifications that I felt that this would have to the Miami program. And here's what I found out. I found out that the FSU athletic department is projecting it's going to lose about 15 to $18 million this year due to a drop in donations, ticket sales, and other revenues that are a direct result of Willie Taggart struggles as their head football coach. And there's a, a large contingent up there that feels like if, if you're losing 15, 18 million a year, it's almost an investment to pay the guy 17 million or whatever the buyout will be after this year to leave. So if they don't get to seven wins and they're sitting there with five or six wins at the end of the year, and I think the game against Miami next week is going to have a lot to say about that. Um, there's a pretty good chance they're going to get rid of Willie Taggart. Um, but are they then going to be able to turn around and afford what would probably be a $40 million contract for Urban Meyer? I don't think so. 
I mean, you know, at least that's, you know, based on what I was told from the people that I spoke to today, they think that's a bit of a pipe dream. Um, just way too many financial needs up there in Tallahassee right now. They, they have facility issues. They got to put money into the stadium. Uh, they're looking to build a new indoor for, you know, 50, 60 million. So highly unlikely the feeling is that Urban Meyer would get in the picture there. All right, so let's get out to your calls now because I know everybody can't wait to find out first what Greg has to say, and then uh, I know I'm uh, I, I am listen. He sent me with about ten private messages today. I got bombshell news for everybody tonight. You guys know the the way everything 305 loves to bring it on this show. So I'm I'm dying 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 to hear what he has to say. He wouldn't tell me. So. Um, absolutely dying to find out what he's talking about, but it just wouldn't be proper of me to disrespect the effort that Greg puts in to be the first caller on this show every week. So again, the number 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show and let's go out to the 845, where Mr. Greg is waiting. Welcome back to Kane Sport Live, Greg. How are you doing this week? Oh, wonderful, Gary. How are you? I'm Mr. doing good. I hope that intro gave you did, did justice for you. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, let's start with the positive. Jimmy Murphy and Cam Harris. That's it. Those two. Okay. You ready? Yep. You know you know what we need to do first? Get rid of this bling. This turnover chain is a joke. One interception in the last six games, and that was on a Hail Mary against Central Michigan. Get rid yeah, of you, that. Why, you're not, you're not seeing it. You're, you're not seeing it, Greg. Why are you so offended by it? You're not even seeing it. They're not getting knuckles. turnovers. The knuckles. It's moronic. All right, forget that, God. It's unbelievable. Okay, we're we're going to travel to Pitt this weekend. 23 months ago, we arrived there undefeated, number two in the country. Since then, we're five and 13 against against Power Five teams. Five and 13. Whatever Manny Diaz is doing, he's been there the whole time. It's not working, okay? Blake James is he's, hes out of his bird. He can't expect to win every game. Can we expect to win more than five out of the last 18 against Power Five? You've you got to be kidding with this guy. He should, how is this guy not out of a job? He's a total moron. Okay. Let me stop you, you for a minute. The- hey, hey, Greg, let me stop you for a minute, um, and I'll let yeah. you go on. Uh, you know, I talked to Blake a little bit today on the side after his uh, little media session, and, you know, he just so badly wants to be positive, and he'll be the first to admit it, that as athletic director, he's as much a fan as anything, that, like, I think it makes him a little bit delusional <laughs> at times about what's really happening underneath him. And, and uh, you know, 
yeah, I mean, five and thirteen in the last eighteen games speaks for itself. That tells you you got a major crisis in your football program, and I'm not sure that it, it got the the respect that it needed to get back on December the thirtieth when uh, Mark Richt did them the, the the biggest favor you will ever see anybody do in relinquishing um, his reign on the program. It gave him a blank slate. It gave them no dead money. Um, to go out and, and, and try to do something, you know, with some vision or whatever. And, you know, I, you know, we don't know where this is going to end for Manny, but, you know, I, I think we could say, honestly say that that did not take place. So the, the anger that guys like you were feeling, I think is, is very well justified. And I will say this, we saw public statements by Blake today. And then we also saw an endorsement on Twitter from David Epstein, the uh, liaison to the Board of Trustees for Athletics. And I don't think those guys are helping the situation because, you know, from what I'm hearing from everybody, and, you know, I speak to a lot of, a lot of people that donate a lot of money, a lot of fans and boosters, nobody's buying it anymore, Greg. And I, and I think that the emotion that you're showing right now in this phone call is indicative of the fan base and uh i think they would be better off just saying nothing and let let the performance speak for itself that's my opinion okay blake james said manny has everything he needs to win no he does not he has horrendous coaches these are yeah, not but it's his choice coaches he handpicked every that's one of his them. choice okay absolutely Fine. every one of them was his choice so what blake's talking about is, and, and he's 100% right on this, and you cannot, you cannot knock Blake James for this. He gave Manny everything Manny asked for. Manny needed – and I'm going to use the word staggering because it's, it is staggering in relation to what any coach at Miami has ever made as an assistant, and we've had some pretty good ones. He gave him $1.5 million to go get Dan Enos because he had to overpay Dan Enos to get to land him. And, and Blake didn't flinch. And he, Blake's got three coordinators on the payroll because Mark Rick promoted Patkey and Banda right before he decided to hang it up. And those guys have coordinator contracts now along with Blake Baker. So they wanted, it, they wanted the um, – I forget what you call the electronic system where they monitor the speed of the players. Um, but they gave him – they gave them the money for that. There is nothing that anybody has ever asked for, okay, that I've ever heard that Blake James said no to. So he's, one, he's 100% right when he says that he's given Manny everything that Manny needs to be successful. I, I don't think that you can dispute that. Oh, okay. Um, by the way, what was the time frame between when Mark Rick called Blake James and said, I'm leaving and I'm hiring Manny Diaz? Was it two hours? Maybe Five not even. Hours? It might not have even been two hours. The information I had, Greg, was that Manny Diaz was in Blake James's office within minutes of that happening. Oh, okay. So there was a deadline. Was, we had to get Manny Diaz in five hours. Come on, this is a, that guy should be fired right on the spot for that. My last point, so because I want to hear this bombshell myself, my about recruiting. Now Don Chaney's wavering. Are you surprised? He he's got 
Georgia, Alabama, Florida, all programs that are successful right now that have have stable coaching situations. I, I mean, you're surprised? No, I'm not now, surprised. He may stick at the end of the day. I, I mean, I think they feel pretty good about it, and he may stick at the end of the day, but are you surprised that he's not – that he would be, like, at least thinking about it? Yeah, of course he can think about it. Okay, I mean, my one last point. I, getting back to my – your buddy Blake James. Next year, our home schedule at a conference, Temple, Wagner College, and UAB. That's a garbage piece of shit schedule, okay? And Michigan State. But, yeah, on the road this next year. Yeah, the well, you got to do home and home, Greg. Greg, you got to do home fine. and home, and the way they do it is when Florida State is coming here, they schedule the out-of-conference decent game on the road and vice versa. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, That's how they do it. You can compare all home but, game environment, then you turn on the Penn State-Michigan game and compare yep. that and see you know why what, we're Greg? not getting any recruits. Greg, Greg, here's what I agree with you on. You, the University of Miami can't afford to play Bethune-Cookman, FAMU, and Wagner College anymore. They just can't. Well, we're flying. Yeah, well, that's, it's a mistake because you're absolutely right. It creates a horrible environment in the stadium. You can't bring recruits to the game. Uh, it, 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 it does absolutely nothing for them, okay? Get the dang team good enough to where you could schedule Alabama, Birmingham, and Temple and, and, and know you're going to win, okay? It, it, it's like it's – like to, to be playing Wagner College does absolutely nothing for Miami. So I agree with you on that front. Yeah, okay. All right, Gary, thanks. I'll All right, Greg, thanks as always for getting us started. I feel you, man. I love your passion. I hope I'm going to see you on, at one of these road games. I don't know if you're going to get to Pittsburgh or not. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, you're making a lot of great points. I feel your pain. And uh, – just gotta just gotta hang in there. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. That'll put you in the queue. We'll bring you on. But right now he's up, and I am dying, absolutely dying to hear what his bombshell is. So let's go out to the seven eight six, the home of Mister Everything three hundred five. How you doing this evening, Everything? Gary, how are you, my friend? Doing good, doing good. I, I mean, I'm a little annoyed with you that you wouldn't tell me what the heck your bombshell is until you came on the show. But well, all right, uh, I, I, you're here. I, I just hate to. I hate. I, I think that you don't want to share that you have to share because that's what I've always done with you guys. Um, you know, I think it was two weeks ago, and I'm, I still look at the boards, still look, read the half the crap that's on there, but. Somebody mentioned something about Alonzo Highsmith, and I laughed. I'm like, what an idiot, you know. This has, you know, there's there's no credence to this whatsoever. Saturday after Saturday's game, I mean, it's a horrific ride home. I'm I'm on my way home. I'm listening to Ross on WQAM. He's going off. He's battling. He calls them too, huh? (laughs) He's battling with, but I called him too, man. I'm such a damn dumb diehard that I am and a bass. I am a blind ass fan. I'm all that. 
But you know, we're just we're just we're simply miserable. And uh, some some caller brings up something about a frat brother uh, with a couple. With a, there's a lot of guys, a lot of football players are part of a frat. Uh, it's a it's a nationwide frat. It's an African American based frat. Uh, there's at least two or three prominent people that give to University of Miami who either played at UM or their son played at UM or very well connected throughout the United States in different arenas, political arenas. And, you know, Sunday morning, I get a call from a friend of mine that is very well in tune with with the school. And you mentioned earlier that uh, Mr. Epstein came out and sent a tweet yesterday or late or early this morning, you know, backing up Manny and, and Blake. But what I heard Sunday morning was the agent to Alonzo Highsmith, had definitely reciprocated interest in looking at the possibility of being the athletic director at UM. And I was like, you know, this, this, this has to be crap. This is, you know. So I waited a little bit longer, got some more information, talked to a couple other people. And, and Gary, this thing's real. Uh, the sad I'm thing not convinced. Here is, Here's why. When, when has the job been open? I, I, let me finish. The sad thing is, if he were to come take the job, number one, he wants to get rid of the two senior associate ADs. And the one guy who just took a job with the Dolphins, he wants to bring him back to help with fundraising. And I think the guy's name is Jesse Marks. And I didn't even know that, that this guy left UM and gone to the Dolphins. So I'm listening to all this stuff. I'm like, you know what? This, it, it could be. You know, this, this could have some real life. Uh, but the other thing is, the sad thing here is that this program cannot win another game the rest of the season for this to happen because that is the only way as Epstein came out and he was doing damage control by his statement because initially, supposedly he was in on this. I had no idea that in 24 hours, Ed Reed would change, you know, his take on things that we don't need a coach, a new coach and Epstein would come out. But these conversations were active and they were real, Gary, you know, and you you talked earlier about, when Manny took the job after CMR retired, it was within half an hour that he was in his office. He was at home when Blake called him. There was no national search. Uh, no, I don't think he was home. I think he was at a hotel up the street in Coral Gables interviewing assistant coaching candidates. I heard he was home. It, back no, no, he was he was interviewing assistant coaching right. candidates for he was he was interviewing right. assistant right. coaching candidates for Temple at a hotel in Coral Gables, and his wife started hammering his cell phone and right. he, he finally decided to call her and see what was up. And she told him. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was here. He was here. He was home at the whole, you know, regardless that happened within half an hour. Okay. So there was no national search and there are certain no, board BLT guys that don't care, but there's two or three that do care. And there's two or three that didn't like Maddie to begin with, with the way things were behind the scenes. Because in certain, in certain, I said conversations throughout this university, it was almost understood like that Manny was kind of like undermining Mark in certain respects with certain things, suggesting certain things. That's what we heard. I don't know if that was true. But I would agree with heard. that. I would agree with that. I've heard uh, that. We, we, also, we also saw some of the things that Mark Rick did. You know, throwing shade right back at Manny via social media, posting the beach and all that. But, you know, karma is an interesting thing. He had a heart attack the other day. So I guess throwing shade wasn't that nice. 
because it came back to him being the good Christian that he is. Well, I think what it shows is that he knew that he wasn't feeling right, probably, when he did decide to retire, and that he better start taking, you know, better care of himself and things like that, and, you know, good for him. He didn't want to leave, Gary. He didn't want to leave. He wasn't going to fire John. We all know that. And, and, And behind the scenes, man, he was pushed on the other side. And I think the real reason why he went ahead and, and, and basically told Blake to hire Dane, to hire Manny was because he knew what the hell was going to happen. Same way that, that Cajun knew what the hell was going to happen because this guy had no clue on how to hire a staff. We waited and we waited and we waited. And anybody that could be somewhat of a threat to him, he didn't even entertain. Look at everybody he hired. Look at everybody he hired. And look who he retained, and look who he fired. He fired guys who do the things that he can't do. He's not a recruiter, never has been. He can recruit, but he's not a dog. He's not an alpha, never has been those things. So, unfortunately, I'm going to go with what I heard, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to wish that these kids do poorly. But you know what? We don't have a kicker. And he can justify and he can validate and he can show me and pontificate exactly why we're supposed to be 7-0 all he wants. The bottom line, on your watch, if you know a kid his senior year went three for five or three for seven on field goal attempts and two of those three are 50-yarders and you've seen a kid all year last year, why in God's name did you not have, which you have plenty of scholarships to use, you had four left over or three left over, why don't you go get a freaking kicker? Why didn't he? He was not ready for this job. He should have stayed at Temple, learned how to be a coach, how to be a head coach, learn how to manage all the things that you have to manage in that chair, because it's a hard damn chair to be in. And everybody it's a hard chair. It's a hard chair anywhere. It's it, it's 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 as hard Definitely as it gets at, my, at Miami. You know, and the and the BOT Gary, they don't care. They don't care. One guy showed a little balls over the weekend, and he backs out and does the same thing, which was weird that Ed Reed came out and said, we don't need a new coach. But, you know, everybody was on the same page Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and all of a sudden everything starts changing midday yesterday. I didn't see his because tweet on the weekend. What did, what did he say on the weekend? I didn't see it. He meant, he's basically alluding that things weren't right and that we've got plenty of ex-kings that should have been considered to be – Tired as a, as an assistant coach or him, he wants to be a coach, you know. But I, I understand his frustration. I don't understand him trying to fix things twenty four hours or forty eight hours later. Because the bottom line is, everybody knows that this guy understands how to teach a certain philosophy of defense. You know, R.J. McIntosh made those freshman linebackers look a lot better. Uh, Willis last year made everybody look a lot better. And we know that the truth is, once those, there is no dominant defensive tackle is in the backfield, this defense, it, doesn't, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work, Gary. And we've seen it firsthand. And, you know, it's funny. We always get the kids from South Florida that stay, like Nesta, that freaking never deliver. They talk, they bark, but they don't do shit. Those are the kids that stay behind. The ones that leave, they all get developed and they all get better. Our kids are not getting any better. How is it that we're in the same rut that we've been in the last 15, 16, 
17 years. Coaching in South Florida, high school Florida, high school coaching in South Florida is some of the best in the country. Well, shit, how come it doesn't happen here? All right, so we continue to get the wrong ones. So the bottom line is you got to hope and you got to pray that we don't win and get another damn game, and they're both gone. All right, so your bombshell is that you have somebody that Keep told you that, Alon- that Alonzo Highsmith wants to be the athletic director at Miami. Yeah, given certain things. That's correct. All right. And I think, I, you know what, you know, I, I didn't understand at first why in God's name, but then I, I thought about it. You know, Cleveland's not looking too well up there right now. He has been able to get a GM job in the NFL. And, you know, at a certain age, at a certain time in your life, it's okay to pick that last big job that's going to take care of you pretty well for the last 10, 12 years before you retire. This is it for him. But the best thing about it is he knows how to win here. He's been a part of it. In this era of, of, of college football, no. He okay, but what, let me ask you a question. What do you think the job of athletic director entails? Like, it's more than just picking a football coach and then sitting well, back and smoking a and cigar. I mean, you got to run the you got to run the athletic experience. department every day. You got to deal with budgets and and no, administration no, you don't. and and fundraising. You know what your job is as a, as a major power five? You hire good young people around you. You manage the heck out of them. And you go ahead and you take care of football. You take care of the golden goose. You put all your eggs in that freaking basket. Is that going to dictate success everywhere else? And let all the and and hire people to do all the administrative stuff. Well, listen, there's some great young people, and and UM has never paid crap to these assistant ads. That's why they all freaking leave after two or three or four years. They all do. Raja Bell's dad has been a professor there. Has worked in the department. He, I mean, he's got tons of stories that we've heard. They don't pay there, and that's why good people don't leave. Hey, Blake left basically because a former vice president became the provost over there in Maine. That's why Blake went to Maine as an, and got that shot at it over there and did a decent job in a lower-tier Division One program across the board in athletics, came back over here as an assistant, and, you know, Sean went crazy and went to Nebraska, and the next thing you know, he's our AD, you know, out of default, he's our AD. There is no sincere desire to have a premier athletic program here. Everybody needs to accept this. This is over unless they go ahead and bring the right people in. You had the right guy who was available, wanted the job, was willing to pay $5 million out of pocket for, from his own buyout, wanted another $5 million from the school to the rest of the buyout. That's what Mario wanted. That's all he wanted. Hell, we, we gave uh, Temple $6 million for Manny, right, for – for Mandy Diaz, if I'm not mistaken, we paid six, right? For that buyout. All he wanted Four. was five. He was going to pay the other five. So, again, this guy's ego and this guy's issues have done nothing but cripple this football program, which is this athletic department, which is this school, which is part of this community. One thing that brought this community back together in the mid-'80s was football. And this guy, just like Shalala's done, has done nothing but to go ahead and make sure we have a decent profit share program from the ACC, we can generate revenue, we can pay for things, and we can just have a little program. That's all this is. It's never going to be what they want it to be, what we all want it to be. Well, don't say never. Go ahead and get the wrong people. I'm going to say never, never, Gary. Because I will say this. If you did get somebody like Alonzo Highsmith in there, he would have the – 
clout to go out and fundraise, in, especially in the arena of the former athletes that have played here. And, you know, I, I don't think that things like paying for coaches and stuff like that would be an issue. Well, his thing is this. He's going so, he's gonna to manage the football program. Yeah, but, so he's going to well, make sure he hires a coach who isn't threatened by the people out there to go ahead and protect your own freaking ego and your own inadequacies. Because that's what this was. Manny didn't hire one guy that was a threat to him. And you've got to have at least two or three on that are a threat. You know why, Gary? Because in two or three years, you fucking won, and they're gone to the next job as a head coach somewhere. And then you're coaching against them. That's how this works. I yeah, I don't know that threat is the right word. I'm not sure threat is the correct word. Uh, you know, nobody's threatening right. Nick Saban. Nobody's threatening Dabo well, Sweeney or whatever. But, but, but you do want to have highly competent coaches that other people want. And, and I'll agree with you. Manny doesn't have that. You know, he's got he he's got young guys that might have promised as coaches um, as they move forward in their careers. We don't really know that at this point. But there is nobody that you're sitting there saying, man, he's going to be a head coach one day. The way former assistants like Chuck Pagano and Dave Wanstead and um, even Dave Campo and, and, and guys, you know, who were position coaches here went on to be Tommy Tuberville. I mean, you could go on and on and on and on. There's been, a, there were, there were some great assistant coaches here through the years when Miami was really good. And you know what? Like, I don't think we're, we're what, sitting Ur- here saying that right now about the current staff. I would agree with you on that. Here's an example. Urban Meyer, before the issues that Ohio State had, he went to the same NFL guys that he's known, that he's been able to produce top level talent to these guys. And he asked the top three offensive minds. Went across the board, all his people. Common denominator, the common name, Ryan Day. What did he do? He brought his ass in. He paid him extremely well and said, here you go. Still had his hands on it and then backed the heck off and then had the issue. So what did he do? You have to find that transcending talent, that young talent that's out there that can teach what the NFL you know, and somebody can tell me that Coach Simpson was kind of this with that Atlanta before he was rehired with the Falcons, but you've got to be that guy that is making a difference, that is something that you can see day in, day out, from day one to the end of the season, you see the growth comprehensively. And, and, and the ability to see that is from great leaders. And this guy, did the, he did the opposite. I hate to tell you, Louisiana Tech is 6-1 and one or 5-1 and one or something, and they're still in the top 25 in defense. Okay, based on the talent that's there. Is it scheme? Yes. But you're LS, you're talking about LSU? LSU? Oh, okay. Louisiana you said Louisiana. Louisiana Tech. Okay. Louisiana Tech. Yeah. About that. And, and look what happened on Saturday. Here's an example of you not preparing your kids. They went to Zach McLeod in the middle of the third quarter, and they asked him, and Zach said no. Didn't even have – supposedly didn't even have pads. Didn't have uh, quad pads on. Didn't have a girl. Here's the problem with that situation. That decision needed to be made – it needed to be made in August, not in, not in October. 
And, and then they, they and then they could have they could have managed it accordingly. It, 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 I mean that that's part of a first year head coach. There are going to be a million unavoidable mistakes made along the way when you hire a first year head coach. They're unavoidable. But, uh, but it is avoidable, and I'll show you how. It's, it's not avoidable. Last year, they're all, it's, it's they're going to make them now. The guy at Ohio State is seven and zero, and. You know, they got a pretty damn good program going there. I, I equate it to kind of like situation that Larry Coker walked into here. But don't be shocked if a year or two from now you start seeing Ohio State, you know, starting to lose some games as a result of the fact that they've got a, a, a first-time head coach in there that you don't really know, how, you know, how good he's going to be Gary, as a head coach or not. What? He's going to be the head coach of the Redskins in, in about three months. Gary. Okay, well then, then right. that'll he solve that. that that'll that'll solve that problem if that's how yeah. it plays out. I mean, that, that, yeah. that, that, that's the type of talent that this guy found. But you told me this was unavoidable in August. No, the mistake they are. No, the, the mistakes that a first-time head coach makes are unavoidable in my in, in my opinion. I'm prove it to you. They're going to make a million of them, and Manny's making last a million year, of them. Last year, LSU. How'd they go ahead and score that touchdown? Wasn't it the second and third string linebackers ring on the third possession? Mm-hmm. So why is it that you didn't have the ability to incorporate Zach McLeod at both Week and Sam throughout the year? Why didn't he get at least 10, 15 snaps? Just like that kid Mike Smith got last year. No how argument. is it that you weren't able to do that? No and argument. How is, how, is Shaq, how is Shaq not ready to play two different positions? Same thing. And I'll t- All right, everything. And I'll listen, t- and I'll tell you how. listen. I need to let some other people talk, man. I hear you. Uh, you know, I'm th- tell you. Th- thank you for, thank you, you for your bombshell. I'm not sure it's really a bombshell. It would only be a bombshell if the job were open and Alonzo really was interested in the job. Um, but as always, you know, thank- thanks for the call. Thanks for being part of the show, and uh, we'll see what happens this week. And I'm sure we'll talk about it next Tuesday night. Thanks, man. Well, we've got to keep losing, Gary. Got to keep losing for it to happen. <laughs> All right, you're gonna have a hard time convincing me that everybody here is supposed to start cheering for losses. I I don't think that's it, the DNA of the Canes fan. Um, you know, you already got four of them. You got five games to play. I don't know how anybody can be predicting that this team's gonna go five and zero down the stretch. So you're already gonna have enough losses. I think you can. Um, pretty safely assume that. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 904. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Gary, what's going on? 240 from the message board. Hey, what's up, man? What you got for us? Yeah, um... Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to talk offense and defense. Offense, you know, I, I was checking out the game plan, man, and I was very upset once again with how we are game planning. Um, I remember the Florida game, the North Carolina game, the Virginia Tech game, and the Georgia Tech offensive coordinators, how they game plan versus our defense. The game plan was simple. Florida didn't have a good offensive line. North Carolina didn't have a good offensive line. Virginia Tech didn't have a good offensive line. Neither did Georgia Tech. So the game plan was get the ball out. And I can't think for one minute why this offensive coordinator of ours 
knowing that we don't have the offensive line that we need, he's running his pro-style pro-offense. He does not get the ball out. And it's putting this team in dire straight situations. You know, the fumble in the end zone. You know, why is the – well, it was a screenplay. So, well, I won't put that on him. But that, that's a bad call when you down yeah, that I don't like Yeah, I don't like a screen out of the end zone. I, I, no, I personally don't terrible. like that call. That That's terrible. But that's just some of the things that I'm, I'm learning about this offensive coordinator, this Dan Enos guy. You know, he's stubborn and – and and I would I would have to ask you this this his offense he did not he could not have called plays plays for Alabama this offense looks nothing nothing like a Alabama offense I saw last year he could he must have been just the quarterback coach but as he far was. as the offense Nick Saban wasn't going to let him call plays that's why he oh, left see, oh see that's a big that's why, thing for me I didn't know that yeah that's why he I left heard Alabama a lot of people say. So I've heard a lot of people say he was the OC at Alabama. No, he was the quarterback's coach. He wanted to be the OC. The OC left. He wanted to be the OC. And Nick Saban would not give him that guarantee that he would be the OC and would be calling plays, and he walked out and came to and Miami. And they did the right thing. Oh, because his play, it looks nothing like. I'm going to jump to the defense. I'm going to tell you something about Romeo Finley. You know we love him. You know we love him to death. But if you rewatch the tape, the striker position play, the – the terriblest game that I ever saw. He could not take it in the box Saturday. He could not. That that outside linebacker position and that striker position was getting eight up. That's Pinckney. Well, I think a guy came in for Pinckney. But nevertheless, that striker position, Romeo Finley did not play a good game. But then again, I was thinking about these cornerbacks. DJ Ivy, Air Blades. We don't have a true cornerback. These are safeties, Gary. DJ Ivy does not have the hips, nor does he have the catch-up speed. Air Blades, he's 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 okay. But when I'm looking at DJ Ivy, when I'm looking at Air Blades, Trajan Bandit, um, uh, um, coach that I had just said last week in the press conference that he's playing out of position. So now you're looking at DJ, you're looking at Al. We got safeties. We got two safeties at the cornerback position. Just just like Michael Jackson, you said something about Michael Jackson the other week. And Michael, they are the same identical as Mike Jack. If you don't have uh, um, defensive penetration, these guys get ate up, and they can't recover. And we're dealing with this on the defensive side. We're dealing with things on the offensive side. You know, in Miami, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to end mine, Gary, but, but we got to get back to good coaching. We don't win that national championship versus Nebraska without good coaching. We got to the point as Miami Hurricanes that we thought after Butch Davis left, Coach Corker came in, we thought that we could win with just players. And we've been thinking that we can do that from the year 2001 to now, that we can put any kind of coaching staff together, head coach as well. We can put anything together and just win with players. Miami, we got to get back to good coaching the way we had good coaching when we beat Nebraska, when we beat Florida State every year, when we beat teams in the national championship. We are not in the place of good coaching. We are thinking now we can win just with good players, and we can't do it. We just can't. One of the things that was that was always lost in all the years that Miami was, was great 
was coaching because there were so many great players that the focus was always on the great players and that there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, the focus right, should exactly. be on the, on the great, on the great players. But one of the things that was always lost through all those years of dominance was that those great players good were being coach. coached by, by some pretty damn good coaches. And that's right. You know, th- that's what Miami got away from. And it happened because they panicked at the time when Coker was there and they had a, a, a nine win season and everybody panicked. Oh, the program's falling apart. We're, you know, we're only winning nine games a year and they, they fired half the coaching staff and Miami has not yes, recovered. Miami has not recovered. They haven't since recovered that, since, since. Have not recovered since. And has, That's right. have, have not been able to put together a coaching staff, even close to the one that Butch Davis and had put together that made that run. And, uh, you know, Randy Shannon gets hired. They didn't give him the resources to hire coaches. He, he, Randy wanted to hire Dirk Cutter to be his offensive coordinator who, you know, went on to be a head coach in the NFL and exactly. needed a million dollars. It was going to take a million dollars to hire him, and he didn't have the money. Couldn't do it. Ends up wow. hiring Patrick Nix for a couple hundred grand. And you know where wow. that went. And Tim yeah, Walton in, for a in couple hundred grand. Yeah, he didn't have in the money. The you know, Al Golden. Al Golden came in, same deal. You know, it was a budget, thrifty staff. Uh, you know, he, he other than his his friend Anafrio, and and you know that move ended up taking him down. You know, and, and you know Mark Richt transformed the program. Got got the commitment to spend money on coaches, but really brought in coaches that 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 weren't necessarily um, in some cases worthy of that, of the kind of money they were being paid. And um, exactly. I think the Rick staff underachieved a little bit. Like I, they, they certainly didn't get it done in recruiting the way they needed to. So, and here we, and you know, now here we are with Manny, I think, you know, I mean, all good guys. I like every one of them, but there's not a lot of pedigree there. There's not a, there's not a it, lot of resumes and it, you it's know, not. You're gambling. You know, you're rolling the dice. Might as well be at a crap table in Vegas. You know, and, and, and it's, something. it's not working. It's not working well. And the money line from, from a good coach, from a great coach, is from $3 million now to $8 million. So if you want a great coach, you can get a good coach for $3 million, maybe $6 million. But to get an awesome coach, you're going to need $8 million. You're going to need that eight. And it's just um, unless we can – Try something of, of of a sort of what we've been trying for the last twenty years, you know. Uh, and, and I'm just disappointed about it all, you know. The bombshell, the bombshell was we lost to Georgia Tech. Yeah, that was his insight. That was his good insight. That was his decent insight. What he gave us. That's the bombshell. We lost to a one and five football team. Yeah, I, I just don't know what to do no more. And okay, almost, yeah, lost the central, almost lost to Central Michigan. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right, guys. I don't know if you're like me, but when the Canes aren't playing well, there's only one way that I know to deal with it. That's to eat good food. All right. So I look for every opportunity because I, you know, I feel the pain of my Canes Nation brothers and sisters every single day when the Canes are playing the way they're playing this year. And, um, the only way that I can manage that is to make sure that I'm not hungry, that I'm well-fed, 
And there is no better place that I have found to get that phenomenal food and soothe my palate and my mind than Sicilian oven. And uh, I've tried, I've tried, I love Italian food. I love pizza. I've tried them all throughout South Florida. And I can tell you there is no place quite like Sicilian oven, which has six locations throughout South Florida. The closest one to me is the location in Plantation. Stop in there for lunch periodically. Love to eat their pizza lunch specials. And um, you've heard me say it over and over how I always make sure that I bring some food home for the wife and uh, how happy that makes her. She loves Sicilian Oven too. So um, at Sicilian Oven, they offer a new way of dining with a philosophy based on the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. And many of these recipes have been handed down from generations of the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. It begins with those classic pizzas with traditional toppings and expands to gourmet and select pizza combinations far removed from what you'll find at the nearest corner at some of those chain places that you see everywhere. You love wings? Sicilian Oven's wood-fired rings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and served with caramelized onions that are just absolutely delicious. Sicilian Oven also offers a wide array of specialty dishes using eggplant, mussels, fire-roasted shrimp. Whatever your taste is, you'll find something great at Sicilian Oven with six locations throughout South Florida. So there's the plantation location. It's at the Fountains Complex off University Drive. And then there's the Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne. If you want a place to stock up your tailgate before the Louisville game in a couple weeks, those are the two locations that are closest to the stadium. Looking for a place to watch the Pittsburgh game this weekend? In addition to those two, you might want to take a look at the Lighthouse Point location where they have an expanded outdoor dining area at the shops at Beacon Light. It's locations in Coral Springs on Stample Road and 101st, Boca Raton location, and then there's that location in Fort Lauderdale on Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview, where they have a full liquor bar. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. All right, let's get back to your calls. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. I'm also going to start getting some of those questions that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com here soon because there's some good ones and I don't want to run out of time tonight. Um, but right now, uh, let's see. Let's go out to the 917 where you are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. What's up, BK Hurricane? What's up, BK? How you doing this week, man? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, Just to touch on something that, that, that Mr. Everything said, Um, I saw the tweet when it went out by Ed Reed. Ed Reed tweeted out, oh, no, nah, um, it's the coach. It's, just, uh, it's not the coaching. It's just growing pains. And if Vince Wilfork, 
replied to him and said, dog, we've been going through growing pains for the last two decades. Yep. I took a screenshot of it. I'll try to post it. (laughs) So, so, and then, and then the narrative started to change the following day, like something happened or a conversation happened. I was following it for, for a little while, but you know, that was just to touch on that real quick. But in, you know, in general, like, I don't know what to believe anymore. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just kind of clueless at this point. You know, it's a little bit of shock. It's a little bit of like, you know, like, what do I believe? Like, do I trust many? I, I, I kind of do more than any other coach that's been here in the last 15 years or so. I don't know if trust you know? is the right word. Is trust the right word? Well, I mean, well, you know, what if Manny is doing the best that he can do? Like, he, he, you might be getting the best that he can do. I mean, that's true. How, how that's many true. guys we that were okay, that were decent coordinators couldn't make it as a head coach? The majority of them. That's true. That That's true. But at least if you, you know, if you can't make it as a head coach, at least let's see if the administration – well, at, you know what? There's nothing we could do right now. So basically – He's only midway through his year, first season. Exactly. There's nothing we could do right now the first year. We're going to know the kind of guy Manny is end of the year. We're going to know. We're going to see if history is going to repeat itself like it did with our last three coaches. We're going to see – What are you, what what are you going to see? What are you going to well, see? I don't know what I'm going to see. I know what I want to see. I want to see a guy. What do you want? All right, what do you want to see? What do you want to see? I want to see. I want to see a guy fighting to make a change. Not you know a guy that's that that understands that things are wrong, and he has to try to make adjustments. He's fighting for his position, so to say. Like I don't know what those change. I don't know what he has to do, but I want to see somebody trying. Not like what Golden did and was stubborn and said, no, this is what we're doing. Not like what Rick did when he just refused to let go of his son. You know, I don't want to see that. At least try, like, say, listen, guys, I'm trying here. And and that way, maybe the fans could get behind them. You understand what I'm saying? But I know one thing, if we go into this season, I know I don't want to be a spoiled sport, but about two weeks ago, I said I'm seeing four wins out of this team, you know, and I know if we don't get at least seven wins and Manny decides to not make any changes, I think he's going to lose. He's going to lose a lot of fans. I mean, a lot of supporters, so to say. I don't know what he's. I don't know what he's going to do, but I think he's going to make some changes. Right, and that's what I'm hoping. I'm. I'm. I I agree with you 100 percent in regards to. I'm hoping that he makes some changes. Hoping that. Like you said in the beginning of the show, there's nothing that they've gone to Blake James for, and he said no. So I'm hoping at the end of the season, Manny steps up and say, listen, uh, we have to, you know what I'm saying, we got to gather the troops, and we got to make some changes. And I want to make changes here, 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 and here, and this is how much it's going to cost us. And if he could make those changes, granted, He's still going to go through some growing pains, but I know that if we had experienced coordinators for, for, you know, this season, we wouldn't be in the position that we are in right now because we saw guys come in unprepared. You know, we saw, um, we saw a lot of things. We saw guys coming unprepared. Like you said, um, Manny was here last year. He knew the struggles that Bubba Baxter was having. You know, how could you go into this season and not have a, and not have a contingency plan for this kid just finally losing it. 
Or I'll ask the same question I asked a half hour ago. How, how do you not have a feel for the fact that this kid is mentally fragile and is not going to be able to handle losing his job? Exactly. Exactly. And and and, 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 and what are you accomplishing bringing a walk on in? Like, what do you think you're going to get? Like, like I, I would challenge that decision all day long. Right. It accomplishes nothing. And in Manny's defense, and in Manny's defense as well, you know, he's frustrated. Like he said, you know, like, yeah, you know, he's frustrated. And he's saying, listen, we're, we're just four plays away from being a 6-1 and one team or a 7-0 oh team, whatever he said. And well, he's, 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 he's frustrated. Right. He spent the whole offseason tweeting about the new Miami. This new Miami thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you and – and, and, Looks looks silly. I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure he's real frustrated. But that's you know also that's also part of being a head coach. You can't let frustration yeah, yeah. impact the decisions that you make. Right, and you're absolutely right about the Ryan Day thing because he's winning these games right now with Urban Meyer recruits, and that's the same thing with Lincoln. Well, they're Ryan absolutely loaded. They're degree. absolutely loaded. I mean, you, you know, he's had Urban Meyer like, recruiting for 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 I think what four years now. Yo, um, Four or five, five years? I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what year Urban Meyer got to Ohio State. but um, I don't know, but this, but this guy was a master at roster management, and so was Bob Stoops, a master at, at roster management. In another year after the 2021 20, season, that's when you're going to see what kind of coach Ryan Day really is because those are going to be his recruits. He's not going to have a lot of those top-flight assistants anymore because they're going to go and find jobs. You know what I'm saying? And the same thing with Lincoln Riley. Like, you know, like how – after what Alex Grimm pulled off this year, how long do you think he's going to be able to keep Alex Grimm? Not that long. I don't know, but Ur- Urban Meyer had, had seven years of recruiting classes at Ohio State to build the foundation that Ryan Day is, is – yeah, it's a stacked team. Stacked team. Stacked team. That's what Larry Coker fell into. Larry Coker fell into a stacked team. And when those guys and when the Butch Davis's guys started to cycle out, what did you see? <laughs> you saw who Larry Coker really was. He didn't. He, well, he wasn't a if, team if what Larry Coker really was was nine win seasons, I, I think that everybody would, right. would have stuck with would, would have was, stuck with Larry Coker because right. uh, there haven't been that many of them since he, since he was fired. That's true, and he was able to keep some pretty good assistants. Um, but Urban Meyer at Ohio State, Urban Meyer at Ohio State, won 12 games in 2012, 12 games in 2013, 14 games in the national title in 2014, 12 games in 2015, 11 games in 16, 12 games in 17, and um, well, like you know, last year, you know, he had to leave, but yeah, right. but uh, but like that guy. Is as good as it gets. Right now, I'm not saying like the U will will never not be back. I'm not saying we'll never get to that point again. But I'm just saying at this point, you know, considering the landscape of college football and and these um all out financial wars that colleges are putting with uh, facilities and just crap. Right now, like we have to be able to at least com- to compete at least every off year or so with Clemson, like being a thorn in their side. I'm not saying every. We're year, not. Cl- we're we're not close year, right we're now. We're not even close. We're, not, know, even we're close not even close to that. 
and there's there's no rec- there's no recruiters on the staff that are going to get you to that point. And 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 I don't know what makes Blake or anybody else so delusional about that. Like, like, how how do you explain our lack of depth on the defense? Last time I checked, many recruiters. It's called called bad recruiting. (laughs) Bad recruiting is how you you explain it. We don't. There's no linebackers. None at all. Like none. We none at all. No linebackers whatsoever. <laughs> you got Sam Brooks how, right now. How does a he's, Power he's, Five school have no linebackers, Gary? Because it doesn't recruit well enough at the position, and then you have two or three guys get hurt and have career-ending injuries, and and there's nobody else there because they how didn't recruit well enough. Power Five school have no cornerbacks. Didn't recruit well enough there either. Who was you in know, charge of def- I, who who was in charge of defensive recruiting the last? Three three plus years. Wasn't it Manny? Of course. Yeah, it was Manny. You know what I'm saying? So you know, you know. Why didn't Blake James have the vision to see the deficiencies in his program when he was making the selection of the head coach? And and Manny couldn't. Maybe Manny comes and does great moving forward, but the odds are so stacked against him. I I think I personally think it's almost impossible for Manny Diaz to succeed in this job. That's my personal opinion. And it has nothing to do with Manny. I like Manny. Good guy. Um, has been a decent defensive coordinator for 20 years. I don't know that he could possibly succeed in this job because I don't know that he has the toolbox to get it done. I don't know. Maybe we might hit a miracle. He gets, you know, he gets some recruiters next year, turns over the recruiting staff. Yeah, but now you're, you're uh, talking three, four years down the road when you see the residual yeah. benefits of that. So, I don't um, know, man. We'll see. Well, I have to sound like a broken record, but every week I think I say this. Every week I think I say this. I'm beginning to sound like a broken record. Jeff Simpson was the best coach we've had, was the best coordinator, assistant, whatever you want to call him, we had in a very long time, and he bounced for the NFL. And we're missing him right now. Yeah, We're missing this guy, but – Gary, that's about it, but just keep me on the line. All right, BK, thanks for calling in, as always. Let's go to the uh, 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, it's your boy Sebastian. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I stayed on the phone three hours last week, and I wasn't able to get in on the call. I thought you had some personal against me. Oh, no, no. I'm glad you got in earlier this week. In fact, I had written down those numbers. Where the hell? Yeah, I got to make sure. Well, I didn't have I didn't have yours. So you must not hit you must not hit one. Cause I, I, I wrote down I wrote down the numbers of the guys that uh, didn't get on and I was going to bring them on earlier. Um, but anyway, so go ahead. Man. What, what you got? So here's what I got, Gary, because everybody's had their fair shake, and I, I just don't need you to cut me off, so you don't even need to respond. I'll set the timer. If I can just get five minutes, five Good. minutes, I'll hit you rapid fire and say exactly what I need to say. Okay. Good. First of all, let me just say this. You know, this doom and gloom, and this seems like this is an impossible task or whatnot, I need to blow that myth out the water. We need to blow that myth out the water, and we need to stop having this type of attitude that we can't get our program back real quick. I'm going to point out a couple of things, and then I'm going to tell you a little story, and then I'm going to be done. A couple of things I want to point out, you know, that loss to Georgia Tech, really, you know, it's, we're beyond the point of talking about it's the players. It really is the coach. 
I'm going to give you a prime example. We're in the fourth oh. quarter. It is 30 seconds left. We're in the fourth quarter, 30 seconds left. It is third down. We know we have all types of kicking issues or whatnot, okay? How many times this year have we gotten the red zone inside the 10-yard line, inside the 5-yard line, and we don't even attempt to run the ball? We've just given up the fact that we don't believe on three separate plays we can get three yards and get a touchdown. We don't even try. And on third down, he throws the ball to K.J. Osborne instead of just trying to run it. Now, here's, here's the thing. If you run it and get stopped, we still have three uh, timeouts. It's not like they're going to time out on us. And you could have ran the ball and put it on the center hash where your chances of making that field goal kick is just just so much better. You could have did that, and you know who you could have let kick that ball in there? You could have got Bubba Baska in. You could have called the timeout. You could have put him on the sideline. You could have coached him up. You could have told him, hey, this is your opportunity for redemption. At the end of the day, if you make this kick, everybody's going to forget whatever happened this year. Just win this game for us. And you could have won that kick. You could have won that kid back for your program because you never know. We may be in a close game on the road, and we need a 50-yard field goal. He's the only person on the team that can do that. And why would you give up that opportunity to be able to do that? We didn't. If, if you watch the game, we didn't even try to run the ball on third down with 30 seconds left against a team that has that's like 100 in rush defense. Okay? That's one point I want to make. The other point I want to make real quick is when I looked at this team two years, three years from uh, a year ago, I kept saying, why are we not recruiting no linebackers? You know, McLeod, uh, uh, Pinckney, and Shaq, they're not going to be here forever. We knew when we recruited Steve that he had, he had, uh, he had health issues, okay? Bradley Jennings, once he's been out, he's never come back. And the only linebacker we recruited in the last two years, aside from this particular class, is number 52 joiner. And he was playing defensive end. So those are the mistakes that I see that we continue to make. We recruit a junior college offensive tackle that don't even hit the two deep. That is not on the player. That is on the coach. There's absolutely no reason for you to be like that. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm going to be done, okay? You know, teams go through this all the time, but they bounce back, and they bounce back quick. North Carolina was a 2-10 program last year. They beat us. They took Virginia Tech down to the wire. They were two-point conversion away from beating Clemson. Why do we keep thinking that this thing is kind of impossible? If this doesn't show you it's a reflection of coaching, I don't know what does. You know, we have a wide receiver like Hightower that leads the program. Why? You only allow him to make eight plays per game. I was in Dallas. I saw him catch that touchdown, the first one that we scored. And you can't tell me he's not an athlete. He's going to go to another program. We're going to sit down and wonder what actually happened. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story, and I'm going to be done. There was a program out there two years ago that had major, 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 major issues, okay? They had four scholarship quarterbacks on the team. Three of them transferred, okay? And the last scholarship quarterback they had on the team, they knew he wasn't talented. They were horrible on the offensive line, okay? Well, they got hammered. They lost to Troy at home. The University of Troy at home, okay? This is an SEC school that loses to Troy at home. Their coach is on the hot seat. Well, they don't even believe that this coach is going to make it through the season. 
he is on the hot seat, okay? And so they have issues in the kicking game. They got issues at offensive tackle, okay? Kicking game, offensive tackle, and they have no quarterback, okay? They are outside the top 25. They are ranked in the lower bottom pack in the SEC, okay? And let me show you the moves that this coach made in the offseason that turned their season around, okay? The first thing he did is he went out and got a kicker from a Division three school, okay? A reliable kicker with a good leg. Got a transfer in. He went out and recruited three offensive tackles and signed five offensive, six offensive linemen to his class to address the, uh, the offensive line issue, okay? And the next thing he did, he went out and got a transfer quarterback from a Power 5 team, okay? That's what he did. You probably know what team I'm talking about, okay? Mm -hmm. All right? They go into the season facing a top 10 team, okay, on a neutral field, okay, and whacked them. And the game was not even close, okay? This year, they are ranked. Number two in the nation. Their offense is off the chain. And that quarterback that transferred in is a Heisman Trophy candidate. Mm-hmm. They're giving up less than 1.2 sacks per game. And they're in the top five in defense. Now, what school am I talking about, Gary? LSU. Hello. You see how easy that was? Yeah. I'm, I'm here. LSU. All right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yes, when I, do. I tell you that there's if when I tell you that certain things that you can do to turn your football program around in that span of time, in other words, if you have the kind of season that LSU had and the off season that they had, but the changes that they made, it can happen so quick. I'm gonna say this one little quick story, be less than forty seconds and you get me off the phone. We have another team. That's in a Power 5 school who has a horrible year, okay? Absolutely horrible, okay? They, they win their last game to become bowl eligible, okay? They're playing a very, very mid, mid, a real, real low bowl game, okay? And they're going against a brand for their bowl game. They have absolutely nothing to play for. They beat the crap out this team. I think it was like 30-something to like three. And that three points was just so they didn't – so this team just wouldn't have a donut on the board. This year they lost this past weekend, but they was ranked in the top ten. They're in the Big Ten. Which team, which team do you think I'm talking about? Michigan? Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin, I'm sorry. Yeah, all right. Wisconsin. The point I'm trying to make is this, and I'll be off the phone. And then you could comment. You know, the problems that we have on this team, they're there not because of the kids we bring in and it's not because of the players. It's because until we get out of our own way and stop being stubborn and not willing to make changes that we know we have to address, you knew at spring ball that you had no offensive tackle and you did nothing about it. You knew in spring ball all you had was three linebackers and nobody else except true freshmen that was coming in your program. For you not to take a grad transfer, 
for you not to take a chance on a JUCO kid is just absolutely, you can't answer stuff like that. And when I look at that Georgia Tech game and I realize that on third down at the five-yard line with 30 seconds left, you could try to run it in, and if you're unsuccessful, put the ball in the middle of the field. You know how hard it is to miss the field goal when it's the middle of the field? I mean, Baxter is getting the ball up. We could have won that game. We would have been having a totally different conversation. But we didn't because we won't get out of our own way. So you can comment on it. Just kind of keep me on hold. But I'm just telling you, if LSU can turn their team around in in two years, if North Carolina can do it in one, if Wisconsin can do it in one, I don't see why we keep thinking that this is so impossible. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. You know, if somebody asked me that question today, and my response was absolutely Miami can get back to being Miami again. If you put Urban Meyer in that head coach's office, what do you think would happen? It's like now, you know, that's a pipe dream. Miami's not hiring Urban Meyer. But my point is, if you put a head coach that has the toolbox to get this job done in that office and he has the capability to hire the staff that you need to get it done and the support staff that you need to get it done. Absolutely. It can happen again. So let me just say this and then you can let me go. The way Cam Harris ran the ball against Georgia tech. And I understand Georgia tech don't have a good run defense. He runs fast. He runs hard. And for you not, for you to just give up the run in the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, communicates to our players, we, 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 we don't deserve to win. You can't tell me you can't bring those offensive linemen on the side of the field and say, look, you can win this game right here if you can just get us three yards. You can win it right here. But we run the jet sweeps and we run the reverses inside the 10-yard line. I mean, Playing like, finesse football. No Playing finesse exactly. football. Now, what we don't know, what we don't know, Sebastian, is whether they're capable of playing Smash Mouth. We don't know that. All right, man. Hey, thank you as always. Thanks, thanks so much for being part of the show. We'll talk talk to you next week. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And we are going now to the three oh five. Where you're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Good, Gary. How are you? Adam? Yeah. What's up, Adam? How are you doing this week? Well, outside of the Georgia Tech game, I'm doing good. How are you? About the same. I, I, yeah. I find it interesting that of all the coaching hires and all the sports that Blake James has done, the only one that he's actually gotten right is the one that was in his lap. And I'm talking about Gino DeMare taking over for three. How can you, with such a brand name, get all these coaching hires wrong so far? And I'm also talking about, like, the lower revenue sports, like soccer and even all the sports in UM's web. Because, to be fair, Gino DeMare did have a pretty good first year as UM baseball coach. Got us one step away from the Supers. Yeah, he's, he's doing a decent job. But I, I'm wondering if with Miami such a brand name, and yes, I recognize that Mario's buyout was an issue, 
But to not even talk to, like, somebody like Mark Stoops, who has Miami ties, just seemed, like, amazing to me with this hiring of Manny. Because the way I look at it, and he, I think Manny used the word rebuild in his press conference, and obviously the media jumped all over that. I, I think the way it looks now, and you could disagree with me, Manny is a lot like a Bud Foster or Brent Venables, a good coach, don't get me wrong, but a coach that might not be a head coach. Or do you think the jury's still out on that? Well, the jury's still out, but the, 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 the odds are stacked very much against them to begin with. I mean, most of these guys don't make it when they have to come do a job like this without the experience of having done it for a while. Okay. No, I I mean, look, Bud Foster is a great defensive coordinator. It just means he's not a head coach. I mean, Urban Meyer cut his teeth at Bowling Green in Utah before he got a big-time job. Um, Nick Saban started at Michigan State, you know, before he moved into the Ellis. Yeah, I mean, you know, most, most, most of these great coaches cut their teeth somewhere before they go take on the big jobs. Well, the exception being like Dabo Sweeney. And he, but Correct. he's a life wreck. But how many schools are going to give a guy five years to learn like they did at Clemson and then make the massive investment that Clemson made to surround Dabo with Venables and, and those guys on offense, all of whom are phenomenal coaches? That's you know, that, that, that's almost like a fluke. That's true. I don't think Dabo um, won there till year till year five. Yeah, that's true. Um, a couple quick questions. First on basketball, um, do you see uh, two things? One, do you see Rodney Miller making an impact this year? With I do. I do, man. I do. I was at practice today, and um, actually did a really great interview with Rodney Miller that we'll have on the site at some point in the next week. But um, okay. I. I the guy has just transformed himself. Uh, Jim Laranega said today that he, you know that he thinks that Rodney Miller might end up being the most improved player in the ACC. And okay. from what I saw today at practice, I was very impressed with how he's transformed himself athletically and physically. He's lost 45 pounds. Um, wow. He's in great shape. He can run all day. They had, they had a scrimmage the other day for 30 minutes, and he didn't get tired. Mm-hmm. And um, just a totally different guy, and he and he and he's so happy about it. And you'll you know you'll see when 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 we post the interview, um, okay. just the just the emotion that just emanates from him, and uh, very happy for Rodney. And I do think he's going to be a good player. Okay. Um, and a couple other basketball questions. Um, the what's the Cincinnati transfer? Um, not McGusty, not Stone. N- N- like N- a- Nasir Brooks. Yeah. Do you see yeah, him can't. having an impact? Next year, he's a very good-looking kid physically, um, but he has to sit out this year. Okay. I, and of the freshmen with Wong and um, I think the kid from Detroit and the other kid, which, which freshman do you think will have the biggest impact on the team? Will Wong. it be Wong? Or you... Yeah, Wong, Wong, Wong's got some skills. He, he, he looked very good to me. The other two I, I think are going to you know, be a little bit more of works in progress. But um, Wong looked looked really really good to me. 
okay. And, and, uh, and the guy that I think is going to be maybe the best player on the team is um, Cam Agusti. Oh, really? The transfer so from Oklahoma. You, he, is un, he, is, he is phenomenal. So do you think we could be a sleeper and finish in the top six in the ACC? Six might be a reach. I think, you know, eight, seven, eight might be a better target. But next year, okay. they're loading up. They're loading up for next uh, year, and I think I think you could, there's a great chance you see Miami back in the top four next year. Well, next year, Matt Cross comes in, right? The kid from New Hampshire. Matt Cross, and they're very, very close to getting a commitment from a five-star kid here in the next uh, couple weeks. Well, next uh, week. hopefully, because I know Scotty Barnes chose Florida State over us. Scotty Barnes wasn't... broke their heart, stole, chose Florida yeah. State, but there's a kid. there's a kid named Earl Timberlake from the okay. uh, Washington, D.C. area. He's a five-star. Yeah. Uh, Canes are looking very good right now in that recruitment. And uh, okay. he's going he's gonna to announce, I believe, November the 4th. Okay. So keep your Speaking eye on of, that, Adam. Adam. Okay. Speaking of recruitment, real quick, um, and I mentioned this on the board, and I saw it, I think, on, like, Canes Insight or something. Is there any interest in going to the transfer portal? Because there's a kid out of Arizona State who is the second – preseason All-American who got injured, a kid by the name of Brandon Ruiz um, who's in the portal there, former kicker. Is there any interest in going the portal route for a kicker because I, I think there will I think there, I think there will be. I, I think there will be. And, uh, you know, we'll see who that ends up being. Okay, because Jim Mars also mentioned the kicker out of FIU. For yep. you, but Ruiz, I know, has two years of eligibility left. Well, so his, his, the, the kicker at FIU's brother is coming to Miami the next year as a freshman. Okay. So you know, the theory might be that maybe he would come kick for Miami instead of FIU next year. Uh, okay. Um, and um, a couple other questions. One, what was the reasoning behind Hightower's transfer? Because it now seems that kids are transferring left, right. Big frust- frustration. You know, he wasn't really getting used. He wasn't getting opportunities to do absolutely anything for the most part. And I think he just got frustrated and said, I'm out of here. And I hear he's going to Arizona State. We'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see if that ends Um, up being his destination. And uh, last question. Do you think with everything going on with the injuries now that Miami would burn McLeod's red shirt? I hope not. I hope not. I hope they stick by their guns and redshirt them because I think they're going to need them next year. I think okay. it's going to be then, it's going to be pretty ugly without them. Okay. And any word on if Dallas is out for an extended period? Because I know there was no update on the injuries. If we would, yeah, um, we don't know yet on that one, Adam. Maybe tomorrow we'll find out okay. more. Okay. And speaking of that, any word on Jeff Thomas? Because he was back he was at suspended. he was back at practice today. Okay, so, so it's not so we'll, like the whole. No, he, he okay, was back. So he was he was he was back in practice today. Okay, and um, last thing, anything on like Lingard, if they burn that red shirt, especially if Dallas is injured. No, I don't think they will. Uh, I think they okay, would use Robert so Burns, more, you know, or you know, I don't think they'll burn Lingard's red shirt. I think that one makes a lot of sense, and it would be dumb to burn his red shirt. Okay. Well, thank you for right. taking my call, Gary. All right, Adam. Thanks, as always, for being part of the show. 563-999-3633 is the number. 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. Let me um, start hitting some of these questions 
that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com. Is the Board of Trustees really serious about getting back to competing for national championships, or are they just interested in being a Wake Forest type of program? <laughs> well, I mean, I think they're serious about wanting to have a good football program. I just don't think they're serious enough to be paying attention at a moment of crisis like they had on December the 30th when Mark Rick walked out and maybe be a checks and balances in that situation. And again, maybe Manny Diaz really would have been the best candidate after a, a proper search. But to not even take the time to see who was interested and what those resumes look like, starting with the guys that I know would have wanted the job, like Mario Cristobal, Chuck Pagano, who was just finishing up being an NFL head football coach, Rob Chudzinski, the former Miami offensive coordinator in the national championship days, who had been a coordinator in the NFL for 15 plus years, also had a brief time as a head coach, maybe would have come along with Mario or Pagano. Seems like a pretty big mistake to me. And maybe Blake James could have used someone saying, whoa, slow down. Let's do this the right way. Let's hear what people have to say. Let's evaluate their plans. Let's think about the pros and cons a little bit. I'll call not doing so malpractice by the Board of Trustees. And uh, I blame David Epstein, who's the guy that the Board of Trustees have entrusted with overseeing athletics. I don't know who else to blame. I'm not going to blame Richard Fain, Hillary Bass. You know, they're busy running Royal Caribbean Cruise Line and Greenberg Traurig Law Firm. They're not engaged in football by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But there needed to be somebody to say, whoa, let's do this properly. Let's see who wants the job. What if Urban Meyer wanted a job? Or You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we have no idea who would have wanted the job. So I think they're serious about wanting a quality football program. Maybe not serious enough to pay the proper attention all the time. And uh, maybe that's going to change a little bit. I don't know. Manny Diaz said that you have to identify your issues and address them. He then goes in to say 17 times that we are three points away from being 7-0, blah, blah, blah. Is he delusional or trying to ignore reality like the previous coaches? Well, with coaches, you never know whether they're ignoring reality or trying to deflect it. They're trying to spin it. Because every year that a coach can keep his job as a precious commodity, and if they can get to a second contract, obviously, you know, that's striking it pretty rich. So you're never going to hear a coach concede or, you know, admit that he's failing. But um, I think in this case, it could be proven that he is a little delusional, depending how these next five weeks go. But he definitely doesn't have much of a choice but to say what he's saying, other than what I might recommend, which would be just say nothing. 
Like, don't you know? Don't say, "Oh, we're we're three points away from being seven zero, six one, five and two. You're three and four. In sports, you are what your record says you are. Yeah, if the kicker made the kicks, but you don't think the other team had a bunch of what ifs also over the course of a sixty minute football game. You don't think circumstances might have dictated different things during the course of combat in all those games and things like that. I'm not big on the what if game. Oh, what if this happened or what if that happened? Because everything is a chain reaction. Every decision, every circumstance leads to another one and another one and another one. And they're variable depending on the circumstances of the game and the other things that are going on um, out there. Uh, so I would prefer saying nothing. I would prefer getting rid of the blind public endorsements, like what we saw today from Blake James and Epstein. I just think they make things worse. People are not going to believe a word you are saying, no matter what you say, when you are losing games at the rate that the University of Miami is losing games right now. And I believe it was, it, was, it was Greg that pointed out that the Canes are 5-13 and 13 in their last 18 games against Power 5 competition. So people aren't buying it. You guys out there in the Canes Nation, you're not stupid. Okay, so don't insult people's intelligence. Don't try to tell them everything's great, everything's going to be great. When there's no evidence right now, that anything is going to be great. And there's not. I'm looking forward every single day. There's little things you like. I, I like the way Manny Diaz is managing the roster this year. I like the red shirting that's going on. But the things not to like, that list is pretty damn long. Okay? And I know you guys have a list too. And nobody's buying this everything great rhetoric that's being thrown around on Twitter and on the radio and in press conferences. So maybe just don't say anything. Let the performance on the field on Saturday in Pittsburgh speak for the future prospects of the program. That would be my recommendation. So, you know, we'll see what happens from here. All right, 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show uh let's see let's go to the give me a second here i don't want to bring somebody on twice let's go to the three five two you're live on kane sport live how you doing tonight hey gary good how are you doing doing great who's this this is ryan i uh i met you on saturday uh, i remember field yeah. I remember. How are you? How, how did your family okay. enjoy the uh, coin toss? Awesome. It was awesome. Good, awesome. good, good, good. Well, it was great meeting you. You know. And uh, yeah. I love the little chat I had with your wife, too. She gets a kick out of your passion. And uh, I apologize to her that we take you away from her on uh, <laughs> on, on Tuesday nights. But uh, she seemed okay with she's, it. She's a, yeah, she's asleep with the kids, with the kids right now. So it's it's fine. Um, well, there you go. No, it was great. It was a great. It was a great experience, and, and my family, uh, you know, we've been Canes fans. My great-grandfather was a season ticket holder. 
You know, mm-hmm. I grew up going to the Orange Bowl game every single time. Um, and as great as the experience was for us on, on Saturday, a once-in-a-lifetime experience in the, to, to do that with my son who has, you know, health issues, uh, it was awesome. But then it's just so hard. It is so hard to enjoy it, uh, the game aspect of it, because they just look like they don't practice. They look like they don't practice. And uh, this is a systemic problem, a systemic problem with the entire football program. And we haven't really talked a lot about recruiting tonight, but it's getting worse. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And and it's you just feel like you're in a building that's on fire, and there's just people sitting around the table saying everything's just fine, and they're just oblivious to the fire around them. That's what I was just saying. It's like it's mind-boggling to me. Now I understand if you're Blake James and you're going up on a podium like he was today to talk, that you can't say the fire's burning down the house. Like I get that, but you don't have to say everything's great either. Like. You know, I I just would err on the side of caution on that. Yeah, and and I actually agree with Greg a little bit. I think that I think that Manny's fallen into the trap of being too gimmicky. We we kind of feel like this is all gimmicks at this point, right? The turnover chain, the rings, the new Miami. Nobody's just going out there playing smash mouth hard football. It's gimmicks, and the gimmicks kind of make us look, I think, dumber when you're when you're losing every game, you know. It looks terrible, I think. Uh, so I don't know if you get rid of the touchdown rings and the chain. And, and, and listen, I love them. But it makes us look silly when we're losing the way that we're losing at the rate that we're losing. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I, I think they're it, a little beyond that at this point. <laughs> They've kind of been rolled out. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if Manny brings it back next year. Yeah. And uh, listen, you and I discussed this on the side of the field. And, and I was watching the kickers. I know that you were watching the kickers. I was watching the kickers warming up on Saturday. They were they weren't missing. No, they were fine. They they were fine before the game. (laughs) But but yeah, I I just think I think Bubba's a head case now. He's just been he you know listen. He had a good week of practice. He had a good pregame warm up, and they put the kid out there first. You know. What what do you like? I I, I, yeah, I don't want to be overly critical here, but like you have a mentally fragile kid, and he's your scholarship kicker. What you know? What are you accomplishing? You know, by benching him. I mean, you don't have another scholarship kicker. Uh, you know, the kid's got as good a leg as just about anybody in the country. I mean, what 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 are you accomplishing? Beating him down in even further mentally. Yeah. And well, that kick he missed was hor- it was it was it was horrendous. I mean, it was just horrendous. Yeah. I mean, a chip shot twenty was twenty four yards, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll let you run get some of the other callers, but listen, this is, and I think you've realized that this is a systemic problem, top down, and you really the only real remedy to it's probably going to be just clearing house. Athletic director. Yeah, but now. like I, I don't know that like you know Manny's not getting Manny's not getting replaced after this year. I do think he's going to make several changes. You know, one thing about Manny that uh, unless he just doesn't put his, you know, he, he doesn't follow through on his what he presents as his mindset. 
is he's not going to just sit there and do nothing. Like he's going to take like take a look. There's there's some guys that are on the staff right now that are major recruiting liabilities that are getting nothing done in recruiting, and I can't imagine. Yeah, but a, a lot of those are his guys. Like his guys. Well, no, no. The, 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 a lot of them are Enos's guys that Enos brought in. Uh, I'll be shocked if Butch Barry is back here next year. Um, I don't think you know. I think I think he's a better fit for where he was in the NFL as a, as a technician line coach. Uh, I don't see him getting a whole lot done in recruiting. Um, you know, Co- uh, coach Hickson, you know, seems like a good, good dude, but I don't see him getting anything done in Broward County. They're getting destroyed in recruiting in Broward County. Um, the um, St- coach Stubbs, you know, I'm not sure he has a great passion for recruiting. Like you have to have it a place like this. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, if, if those guys can, can survive uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I think coach Stroud with the defensive line will probably go back. I got to believe he's, there's a decent shot chance. He's going to go back. They got to get a, a real recruiter in that spot. I mean, if Manny's going to have any shot to succeed, he's got to get, get some, some real recruiters on the staff and he doesn't have that right now. That would be a spot I would look at. Um, I would think Patkey will be fine. I think, you know, Mike Rumpf is, is, is one that is not guaranteed on, you know, I love Mike. I don't know if he's guaranteed to be back. Um, you know, I, I, I would think Banda probably would be okay, but, uh, I think there's going to be several changes. I think there'll be at least four changes on the coaching staff during the off season. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously Manny has not said anything, but I mean, there have been issues this year. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, a lot of little things have fallen through the cracks and they're showing up on game day, just fundamental things, <clears throat> blown assignments, things like that that you just can't have and you can't just blame the players. You know, the coach has got to have the players prepared to where they're not making those mistakes. So we'll see what happens. Yep. All right, man. All right, well, man. thank, thank you. Th- yep. You. Thanks. Thanks for uh, calling in. Do it again. Yep. Let's go to the nine one six. You're live on Kane sport live. Nine one six. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, man? Garrett, how how doing, are you? Man? Hey, Who's man, this? Rolling from New Orleans. Rolling from New Orleans. How you doing? How you doing tonight, Rolling? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just uh, going piggybacking on what you were saying about recruiting, man. They definitely needed to step up. Uh, um, start, I, I'm not hearing about any guys outside of Florida, you know. And I always talk about the old line, but you're not hearing any, any guys. Um, even, 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 even from a quarterback prospect. I know, they, I know they're going after the kid from California, but. What are the other options? You no, know, they, I mean, they pretty much so. lost the kid from California. He committed to um, USC. But, you know, tw- 2020, <laughs> it, it, it looks like Tyler Van Dyke is solid. And they've got time on 2021. They're, you know, they're starting off for some other kids. We'll see what happens. Time. I mean, well, they have yeah, time. They have, they have time on 2021. No, I'm, well, I'm talking about from a whole program perspective. Um, would you, if you have another year of this next year, you can't. There's no one where you can keep Manny Diaz as head coach. You really can't. 
I don't think so. I mean, I, I, listen, every, to me, every year that goes by like this just digs the hole deeper. Yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. hole was already deep after you lost 5 of 7 and got blown out by Wisconsin to end last year. The hole was already deep, okay? You choose the status quo. You hire Manny as head coach. Can you keep every, you know, keep half the, you, the defensive side of the organization pretty close to intact? Bring in Dan Enos, you know, some other new coaches on the offensive side, whatever. It's not working out real well. The hole's deeper now. So yeah, every year that goes by like this, you're digging a deeper hole. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, again, like I mentioned, I think, you know, the passion, the energy, the, the will, the accountability, you don't really see it, you know, coming from, even from the players, even from senior linebackers. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's something um, that, that I can't, you know, you really can't get your, you can't put your hands on it. You watch the games, man. It's just you guys missing tackles, um, just soft. Um, damn. I, I, well, you just you see issues. You it's see issues all over the place. Man. You see it's issues all over the place. place. I mean, every they should have been four touchdowns every, better than Georgia Tech. <laughs> I mean, and they're losing. And they're losing to them at home. At home, you're I losing. Know. I know. I don't know, man. I really, I just really, I wish they could, from a, just from a recruiting standpoint, man, they got it. You, you, everything you said about all those coaches, I said that wide receivers coach, the O-line coach, um, I'm not, band is okay. I mean, shit, I mean, it's got to be. Uh, Look, they're all, they're all, they're all good dudes, but, you know, somebody has to own this, fail, you know, the failures. Like, you can't, good guys, you can't just pretend they don't happen. Oh. You gotta get some guys that's gonna bring players in and develop players. Point blank. You, you know, and I'll tell you this: you talked about Urban Meyer. I'm a huge Saints fan. Look at Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was a second round draft pick. You would never thought Michael Thomas would have been the player he is right now. And the whole damn secondary for the Saints from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just frustrating, man. It really is to see that. So. All right, Roland, you got anything else? No, I'm just keeping on hold. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the show, as always. We'll talk to you next week. Let's go to the 214. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how's it going, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? This is Jake from St. Pete. What's up, Jake? What you got for us? Oh, man. What a what a week. What a letdown. <laughs> and, uh I was really hoping we were going to come off of uh, that Virginia win and just uh, steamroll this Georgia Tech team. But as per usual, we show up just – we don't show up. What what happened – you know, this I, I saw today they were doing tackling drills. Why are we wasting time seven weeks, eight weeks into the season doing tackling drills? This is something that these players need to either be doing on their own or that, you know, they're grown men here. here here's what I've noticed. I'm going to tell you what I've noticed in that regard. Okay. And, and we don't get to see entire practices, but we do get to see a lot of the drill work on, on skills like that. And I'm not, I don't know that they're intense enough. Like, I don't No, No, like, that, that's exactly, that's exactly the point I'm getting at. 
There is no intensity. We should have blown yeah. this team out of water. Everyone, you know, uh, Gary, uh, I was on the I was on the phone uh, the the first two weeks of the season saying we're a field goal kicker away from being great this year. We're past that point. You can't blame. You know, look, yeah, we missed three field goals. You shouldn't have to rely on a last minute field goal against the worst rated team other than Rutgers and the Power Five. I mean, this is like, that's absurd. Like say, oh, well, you know, if we made those field goals against the worst team in, in, you know, the entire conference, please spare me. I mean, and I was the one making the field goal excuses against Florida and against North Carolina. Fine. Where that went out the window was when we barely squeaked one by Central Michigan. At that point, you have an intensity problem. And that, to me, has not been addressed yet. It, it seemed like briefly when Manny got involved there, with Virginia, it seemed like he corrected some of that. It wasn't the best game in the world, but, hey, Virginia's a good, solid team. Um, you know, they look – I'd say they're probably the front runner for the conference. I don't know. Uh, or for, you know, the Coastal at least. You know, um, he got the intensity up enough to get the win against, uh, you know, a team that was on a pretty hot streak there. I just don't see, and it seems like this team is so easily distracted or so just like, I'd almost say egomaniacal where it's just like, you know, they have one good win. It's like, oh, well, we don't need to practice anymore. We don't need to do anything. We're all good. And just no intensity. You could, you know, the coaches all, trust me, I got, I got problems with the coaches, but at the end of the day, I mean, we, we were playing for the patty cake championship on, on Saturday. I, I've never seen so many guys hand tackling, not even arm tackling, hand tackling. They didn't even want anything to do with that, that Georgia running back. Who is that, Mason? Yeah, I mean, you, you saw, the tackling you saw the was, team it, dodging that guy all day absolutely long. Absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Finley. You know, one, one of the things that pisses me off is, you know, Gervin Hall and Amari Carter, there's nothing they love more than laying the wood on a helpless receiver. But, my God, when they uh, when they came square toe-to-toe with that Mason kid, you just saw them flop to the side and just throw their hands out. And, uh, it, it, I mean, come on. Like, have some pride. You know, you love putting the wood on someone who can't defend himself, but when a 200-pound running back's running straight at you, you're flopping over. That, to me, is a weak team. That's That's, that's you know... I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just how I'm seeing it, but you know, it, it's just they broke. They were bro- they broke down fundamentally. Yeah, that's the best way to that's the best way to describe but it. It just seems like it's it's like you know one step forward, two steps back. You know, Florida. I think we can all say they they had some learning problems there, but it's like you know, okay, we got something to build on here. You know, uh, Florida came in the more talented team, and they just won by a little bit. You say, okay, well, you know what? played a hard game. We made some errors. We lost to a team that's got a little more talent by a little bit of points, but come on. I mean, Georgia tech, you know, we, we've gotten into it with the recruiting numbers. I'm not even going to go into that, but uh, you know, um, to, see to me, you know, I, I see a lot, you know, I, I don't really post a whole lot on the board. I, you know, I, I, I'm not a big texter and stuff like that, but uh yeah, I see all this chatter on the board. I mean, the first thing we got to get rid of this pipe dream of firing Manny at the end of the year and not support. That's, the team. Yeah, that's, that's silly. That's, that's not reality. Yeah, I don't know why anybody would waste it, the time saying that. It, it's a big problem, I think, with the fan base. I mean, and, and you know, a lot of these guys are diehards, so I don't want to like say you know like badmouth anyone, but 
like, you know, today there's a poll. Do you want Miami to lose out? Like, come on. As a fan base, that's pathetic. Like, uh, you know, that, that irritates me, too, because it's like, you know, anyone who thought we were going to win the national championship this year, you know, I don't know what they're smoking, but, you know, there, there was going to be some learning curves. But we'll, yeah, to me, but win, like, winning, I, the the coast, winning the Coastal Division, was that was a realistic goal. Well, and that's, you know, and that to me, like, you know, I think, and from, I think Manny's problem was, is I, I think he, he started drinking his own Kool-Aid where, you know, he thought, oh, hey, you know, we're, we're right on the brink of a championship here or, you know, being relevant again. It's like, no, you know, to me, this, you, you, you keep talking about, you know, the whole keep getting dug deeper. And I, you know, I agree with you because, you know, if we finish up this year with five wins and follow it up with some garbage next year, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not as big into the recruiting as and, you are. And, Flor- but, and Florida State gets its act but, together and gets yeah, a better Florida coach. Yeah, Florida State gets its act together. Florida keeps doing it. That can put us in a big recruiting rut because right now I think we're getting plenty of talent to win the Coastal. I think it's on coaches, and mostly I think it's on players because at the end of the day, you know, these guys know how to tackle whether or not you want to lay the wood on somebody who's bigger than you, well, that's a decision you got to make and that's character. And I think our team's lacking it big time uh, players, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> guys arm tackling that, that you can't, you can't coach that. They all know a proper tackle by now, uh, you know, you should know that by the end of high school, by the time you get into college, it's a given, you know, it coach can't make you, you know, tackle someone. Um, but you know, but so or, uh, what I was getting at though is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are looking at this as like, oh, we want to go back to the Miami of old. We're 15 years removed from that. We got to focus on incremental building, not, you know, I mean, and I'd love to get all the five-star guys and keep all the recruits home, but th- this is an incremental process. First thing you do is you win nine, 10 games a year. And I'm sorry, we have the talent to do that. There's no question about it. We are out recruiting everybody in the coastal by far. We have way more talent than any team in the coastal. You got to start winning. You got to start coaching with intensity and playing with intensity. You win. We get the look at look at 2018. We we nabbed a, a high-rated recruiting class that year, and some of those guys are starting to pay some big dividends. We need to do that every year. Nine or ten wins in the coastal is not difficult this is not this shouldn't be such an issue georgia tech's won it three times i mean you know we're tied with pittsburgh yeah uh, and and, you know virginia these are basketball schools we're a football school we don't play like it though and uh and and then you build off of that you know if you start rambling off nine ten maybe even eleven win season those five-star guys, those, you know, the, the Tyreek Stevensons, well, you made their decision easy. Because if I'm going to a 10-win Miami team or an 11-win Georgia team, that's a no-brainer for that kid. Throw the bags mm-hmm. out the window. Who cares? That's a no-brainer because, hey, I'm going where I can build this. But when you're talking about a 7-win Miami team or, hell, this year <laughs> it might be a 5-win team, well, you made the decision for that kid already. And that's on coach and player alike. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but yep, no, I agree. All right, man. But, well, thank you, know, you for calling gotta, in. Give us, give, give, it, so. give us a shout next week. Sounds good. Hopefully, after Thanks, a man. win. Yes, sir. All right, so 
going to jump back to the questions that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com because the, the caller just referred to it. Can you finally put to rest that Manny Diaz is not going away after this year and probably not next year as well? I'm not going to think about next year right now. It's pointless. But I do think that we can safely put to rest that Manny Diaz will be coaching the Hurricanes in 2020. I, I mean, I think that's obviously a no-brainer no matter no matter what happens the rest of this year. Um, can't imagine the University of Miami, even even if they didn't win another game, thinking about buying out four years of a contract. So what happens to all the, quote, everyone is holding everyone accountable, unquote. None of the coaches or players are saying anything about accountability. You know, that's not really true, especially on the defensive side of the football. I think Blake Baker in particular is being accountable. I mean, he comes in to speak to us every Monday, and he's owned the problems on defense, especially the things that point fingers directly at the coaches, like tackling technique that resulted in 29 missed tackles on Saturday. So I think there's accountability. There's just a lot to be accountable for. Manny never believed that this year would be successful based on his excuses after every game. And now Blake comments cement that. Sounds like they had this prepared for long-term success conversation during the hiring process. I don't believe that either. I mean, if you don't think you're going to be good, you don't spend nine months running your mouth about the new Miami and posting on Twitter every five seconds about the new Miami setting yourself up to look this foolish. I think Manny thought that he was going to be the secret sauce in that head coach's chair. And you heard me say it. I think if you listen, every time we talked about it on the message boards, I kept saying over and over again, this is not all about Mark Richt. And everybody thought, oh, Richt is gone. Everything's going to be great now. And I kept saying over and over again, no, this is not, it, it's not all Mark Rick's fault. This is not all about Mark Rick. And I think that's what you're seeing now live and in color. It was never all about Mark Rick. And uh, this program needs to recruit better. It needs to develop players better. It needs to coach better. And uh, one guy alone is not responsible for all of that, even if he is the head coach. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, let's go out to the 865. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Gary, it's James. How are you doing, buddy? What's up, James? Talk to us. Oh, no, no problem, buddy. Um, what I wanted to say was I tried to call a couple weeks ago, and I had to be rushed, but I've been listening to the show for – uh, since 2013, so this would be officially my second call, but I've been a big fan of the show and just never had the cojones to get on and voice my opinion, but I figured I would and so forth. So. All right, uh, well, tonight you got tonight you got them. So drop them right, and go, all man. All right, buddy. You got it, brother. <laughs> um, uh, first things first, man, the, the one thing that I just feel frustrated for you more than anything is because you've been covering this program for 40 years, you've said. And yeah. you've seen the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And the thing that really concerns me, and it's been a topic, I think, 
since I started listening in 2013 was recruiting classes. You know, there was mm-hmm. a year that we were hoping we were going to get a lot of guys when Golden started off 7-0, and and then everything went to hell after the Florida State game and Duke Johnson getting hurt, and they finished that season with a dud. And some of those guys that we were talking to went to other teams. I'm thinking of Bo Scarborough, guys like that. Then you fast forward to 2017 under a whole different regime with Richton Company, and you had some great players lined up, you know, like Patrick Sertain, Tyson Campbell. I don't know if those guys were ever going to come here. I mean, if you revise history and you say that these guys maybe beat Clemson and were in that Final Four, maybe they come, maybe they I don't know if it was already a done deal to Georgia and Alabama. You know that more than me. But the thing is, is that we lost out on these guys, and I'm watching them make plays and the rich get richer, and we just, once again, lost out on key prized recruits in a recruiting class. Now, we still got some good guys. I, I still believe that that group is going to be the foundation of what you see um, next year. I mean, because this year is, is whatever, but if they can just keep getting better and develop, maybe they might make some noise, if not next year or the year after. But I think it also comes with the coaching staff. Can the coaching staff develop these kids? Because I saw John Garvin, and I don't know if it was a product of who he was playing up against, but we were real excited for him, especially after that Notre Dame game and getting those strip sacks and, and so forth and fumble recoveries. And I just feel he's regressed. Now, I know he's had two, two defensive line coaches in that time, and that could have changed things, and the personnel around him has changed. But I just feel that there are guys that have regressed, you know, and that's what I worry about with some of our key guys from that 2018 recruiting class, and, and so on and so forth as the cycles keep coming in. Um, well, what's your thoughts on that, Gary? Just curious. He has regressed. He, he's not playing as well as he was playing. But, you know, but let's remember something. Before the season, we talked about this. John Garvin benefited from having Joe Jackson last year. And Joe Jackson yeah. commanded a lot of attention, and so did Gerald Willis inside. And even yep. with all that, he, was a, I, he had five sacks last year, okay? Five sacks. Okay, so what made us think that now when he didn't have Gerald Willis inside commanding attention, when Joe Jackson was not on the other side, what made us think that he was suddenly going to go be a 10 or 15 sack guy? I don't I mean, I don't know, like, what would have made any of us think that. So, yeah, he's regressed. And and you're not the only one that's noticed that I I've, from what I understand, the NFL scouts are a little puzzled by his level of play this year as well. And I don't know if he's going to be able to go out at the end of the year, like he probably planned on doing before. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's yeah. misguided expectations or he's not being coached as well, or maybe opponents are paying a little bit more attention to him than they did in the past or all of the above, but he's definitely not yeah. as effective as he was the last two years. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and last week kind of showed it. I mean, in my opinion, I felt that Trayvon Hill and Russo played a better game than him. I mean, I know you have those rankings that you do or that you see every week and who graded out the best and so forth. And I know that some of the message boards, they trashed um, uh, Ragone, the uh, walk-on that came in for Pickney or so forth and not playing Sam Brooks, which I don't even understand that situation at all. But is it true that Ragone well, graded out Well, like because the nobody, they had nobody ready or, to, yeah. other than Ragone to go play Pinkney's position. That's unbelievable. Yeah. 
It's, it's, it's disgusting, Gary. I mean, I mean that's on the coaches. The that is 100% on the coaches. It, it, how do you not have Shaq? If you know you're going to redshirt McLeod, how do you not have Shaq Quarterman, a four-year starter, prepared to bounce to either side? Yeah. I don't get yeah, For sure. And, and, you know, I get, I, I get Sam is, Brooks. I, like, I get Sam Brooks only being sure. able to play one position. He's a true freshman. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I guess, and that goes back to the recruiting too, though. You know, this is this was uh, linebacker you for the longest times. You know, the guys from the past, and and even guys that maybe weren't as uh, as heralded as Ray Lewis and Dan Morgan. But you talk about guys like that contributed over the years, like McCarthy and Sharpton. They played in the league, you know, and Sean Spence and so forth. And where are the guys that like? Why can't we get those guys um, there? I mean, you had uh, I know career-ending injuries to it. Was it Wilder or Steed, or, or Steed that got hurt with the the neck injury and and, uh, and basically, why, if you knew that these guys aren't available to play, why didn't you recruit? I mean, and that's Manny's position and, and, uh, and Pat Key as well. Like, why didn't they get the linebackers? That, that's a question that they really need to ask themselves and so forth. I mean, that, that's, it's really disturbing, especially with the, the accolades and the greats that we've had in the past. The pre-head coach Manny did a horrendous job recruiting his position. Well, Horrendous. I mean, think about it. Shaq and Pinckney and McLeod, they were recruited by Al Golden and Mark D'Onofrio. Yep. Manny did not recruit one linebacker that has come into this program and made any impact whatsoever in three years. And recruiting has always been a liability with him. And he was put in the head coach's office. Don't blame Manny. Manny, Manny, Manny is no different than any other coach that wants to be a head coach. Anybody would have gone into Blake, would have marched right into Blake James's office, said, "I want to be, I want this job." Anybody would. So, hashtag, don't blame Manny. Yeah, yeah, just. But where was Blake James? Where was Blake? Yeah. And I like Blake. Um. You know, I don't know how much he likes me, but I like Blake <laughs> because I mean I'm honest. If he, in this case, like, like what did he evaluate? And I want to see Manny know. succeed. Like, there's no other. But well, he, he, thing, he has like, no yeah. he has no pedigree and no track record as a recruiter, and he's heading up a program right now that needs elite recruiting more than anything. More than exactly. anything. Exactly. And I think that's what's so upsetting to me as a longtime fan. You know, uh, the fact is, is that why in the world did we not? And I, and I know it's been beaten to death tonight, and I don't want to waste any more time on it. But it's the fact that why did we not just have somebody in his ear and say, wait a minute, let's see who's interested in this job. You can't sit there and say that there's not people that um, didn't want to be the head coach of the University of Miami. I mean, you've got a thousand people on a message board that think they can. Well, coach. I, I mean, know, you know, I mean, I, know, I, mean, I can. Know, I mean, I, I, there's, there's two that I personally know without question wanted the job. One was the head, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, a former Miami assistant who was as good of an assistant well, coach, as yep. good of an assistant coach as anybody I've ever seen in this program. Um, Chuck Pagano, who mm-hmm. you see how he's re- how he rose to be an NFL head coach, and you know. I'm not sure he would have been a good selection because 
at this stage of his career, I'm not sure he has the passion for recruiting after being a head coach in the NFL and everything. I'm not sure he, he would have the passion for recruiting that that job requires either. Um, but I know he wanted it. Okay, I know that for a 100% fact. And I think there's a pretty good chance that had he gotten it, he would have brought Rob Chuzinski with him um, as you know a, a big ticket offensive coordinator, assistant head coach. Um, and, I, and I know that Mario Cristobal would have taken the job. You know, a guy who's one of the best recruiters, one of the best recruiters in the country. So, um, should have at least done interviews. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I can, I cannot sugarcoat or endorse the way that whole thing evolved ever because, uh, and, and, and and I don't care if Manny wins the next five national titles, that search was, that whole process still was not done properly. It wasn't. It wasn't. And, you know, going back to Pagano, the one thing you got to get Pagano, if the, if the emotion or anything wouldn't have been there, you know, because, you know, transitioning from the pros to the college, like you said, he would have at least surrounded himself with a great staff. I think better than the staff that it looks like Manny surrounded himself. No with. doubt about it. His network of coaches at this point of his career is enormous. He would have surrounded himself with a great football staff. And then the issue would have been recruiting. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, two quick things, Gary, because I know there's going to be others that want to get on, but there was an interview that was done by Dan Morgan um, at the beginning of the year before um, we played the Gators, and, and I, I really hadn't heard much about Dan Morgan. He was my favorite player, uh, you know, back then and so forth, and I tried to model my game after him and wore his number even, but, you know, he said something that was really telling. He thought – they asked him about what he thought about the turnover chain, and he said that it, it was cool – um, but when he played with those guys back then, that uh, that they wouldn't have need, needed something like that, you know. Just they, they wanted to like ball hawk and and kill people, you know, and so forth like that, and 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 beat the shit out of the opponent. And you're not seeing it with this with with the kids today. And I'm not one to uh, generations change from from one generation to another. But the thing that concerns me the most is these kids. Are, do they have that dog in them that they did 20 years ago? You know, there, there's a lot of questions about that. And the no, thing that not, not the ones we have right now, though. No, not I mean, at all. Did, did, did Morgan, did Dan Morgan used to go take three IVs to make it through a Florida State game. Oh, <laughs> listen, I saw that game. That, 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 that was the one and only game, because I live up in Tennessee, unfortunately, and I, we moved after Hurricane Andrew. But the thing is, that was the one and only game I got to catch in the Orange Bowl, wide right three. And it's the most beautiful game in my heart that he played with like they all played like that i mean they were all that was the hottest game i can remember they ran out of beer in the third quarter or what have you and the fans were going to riot and and the thing is is i mean that was like one of the best games um that they played you know they almost gave it up but the thing that bothers me the most is you saw guys wanting to end that streak to florida state they refused to lose that day and you got guys on this team now that look on the other side of the field and that was a, a horrible opponent last saturday and they're mocking you, throwing the U up and ripping up the grass and so forth and cheering with their fans. I mean, it's their right, too. They won. But how can you sit there and allow that to happen? The walk-ons and all of them that are dancing on the sidelines, they have more passion than, uh, than, than what you see on the field sometimes. And, and the yeah. other thing that bothers me, and I was willing to give Manny a chance on this, uh, like you, I want to see Manny succeed, you know? Of course we do. I want to see, I, I see, I see this guy succeed. I'm not a Cuban, and I want to see him succeed. 
Exactly, exactly. So there you go. But the thing is, the thing that bothers me, though, is that, you know, when we hired, like, one thing that people used to complain about was Rick was kind of like not all there on the sidelines. He didn't show a lot of passion. And I, and I saw Diaz when he was de- doing his defensive coordinator thing. He would get hyped up. And, you know, I don't see that on the sidelines. Of course, the cameras, you're there at the games more. The cameras really don't show him that much. But when they do show him, they paint him in such a bad picture. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing on the sidelines. And it concerns me as a fan. And I don't know if that's just ESPN and the way they move the cameras around or whoever, ACC Network, but it's like they never show him, like, celebrating with the guys when they make a big play. They only show him when he's got, like, this, like, look on his face that he's a deer in the headlights. And it concerns me, Gary. That's what it concerns me about. You know, this isn't an on-the-job training. This is a job that we – and you said it before. You said it in other shows. The, they were not going to hire another on-the-job trainer. They wanted somebody I was, with an I was, I was stunned, absolutely show. stunned. I never thought I would see it again. I mean, they had learned They had learned it, I, and I from never Rick, thought I'd see it again. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was, I was exactly. absolutely stunned. But, uh, yeah, yeah, the University yeah. of Miami football program should not be a lab experiment. No doubt about it. No. All right, man. No, hey, thanks for calling in. Listen. Give us a you call bet, next brother. week. Listen, thanks again. Yeah. You bet. Okay. You got it. Thanks for being part of the show. Yep. Let's go to the 954. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. Who's this? Uh, Red Nut. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hello. How are you? All right. Is there... um? Well, Good. What good. My what? No. Good. You have a do you, do you have a question? Oh yeah. So do you want me to tell you what's worse than Saturday in the Georgia Tech game? The pizza that you sponsor. Well, you, you like it or you don't like it? I don't like it. I had diarrhea after. Oh come on, man! You did not. Yes, I did. Come on! No, you did not. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Who's telling you to say that? <laughs> All right, man. We gotta move on. We got, 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 we got serious callers here. Let's go to the six one four six one four. You are live on Kane Sport Live. You with us? Six one four going once, going twice. All right, let's go to the nine five four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, Joel. Yes, sir. Hey, what's up, Joel? How are you, man? Doing good, doing good. Um, have some thoughts. I'm, I'm very, uh, very uh, happy about some of the things I'm hearing tonight from people like Sebastian and uh, PK Hurricane talking about how really the primary issue with this team is uh, is the area of coaching. You know that I've expressed that. Uh, Some weeks back, I I mentioned how this team has been functioning in a square peg, round hole, um, I don't know, just just performance on offense and defense, or mostly offense, I'll say. Case in point, Enos. I feel like he was given a revelation in the Virginia Tech game. Uh, I can't remember how many points they put up that game, but... Suffice to say, I think that's the most points the Kane scored all season. Is that right? I believe so, yeah. Right. And all of that was through like almost like a somewhat high-tempo spread type of offense. 
which caters to the strength of this team. But for whatever reason, there's a going back to this under center. And I get it. You know, you got to keep the defense honest or whatever. And, you, you know, it's, it's helpful for the play action and run and stuff like that. But the, this team is barely scratching the surface with play, uh, uh, putting points on the board. And it's like we shouldn't really be having conversations about field, people kicking field goals. Uh, I mean, we should, like a team like Georgia Tech, really and truly, we should be blowing them out because of the amount of points we're putting on the board. But everything is like, I don't know, it's like herky-jerky. <laughs> Even someone made the point about the end zone. Why aren't we using Mallory in the end zone? Isn't he one of the tallest players on the team? So why can't yeah, we he's disappeared. The last uh, couple of weeks, he's just totally disappeared. Not even yeah. involved in anything. <laughs> I don't get it. So use your strength. Don't make this difficult. You know, throwing lobs to five foot ten receivers is not the way to go. Throw a lob to your, maybe your taller receiver slash tight end. And let them go and get the ball. Use high percentage plays instead of, I, you know, I, 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 I'm just pulling my hair out with some of these uh, moves on offense. Now, I will say this to highlight the point on coaching. Every time, so we had a weakness with the defensive line some years ago. What did we do? We brought in Kulagowski, and the defensive line improved. Uh, we had an uh, issue with the defense overall. We know that from the Golden uh, Al Golden days, where we brought in Diaz, we saw an improvement, turnovers, playing more fast, more twitchy. Uh, we saw improvement with the tight end, with Hartley, and we've seen an improvement with the quarterbacks in terms of Enos. So I do feel strongly uh, in terms of getting the right coaches for player development and it seems like in certain areas this season we're lacking in certain areas. So, again, just, just wanted to highlight that point about uh, the importance of getting the right coaches on staff and hopefully Manny makes some adjustments at the end of the season because to bring some of these guys back next season, next season would be – I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm expecting several. Cha- I'm expecting several changes. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, and I think the guys that, is- and I think the guys that were not really Manny hires that were forced on Manny are going to be the first ones that are likely to go do something else. Right. right. Because they're because they're, uh, they're not recruit. They're not recruiters. They're not good recruiters, and uh, and they can't. They you you can't carry coaches in college football anymore that are not good recruiters. You can have a coordinator that's not a great recruiter and put it on the position coaches, but you can't have position coaches that aren't good recruiters. Right. Right. So there needs to be an upgrade definitely in the coaching staff. Um, as far as this whole bit about, you know, we could be 7-0 and versus, you know, 3-4, and I, I do believe that there is accuracy in that. But I think even if we were seven and zero, this team is really three a three and four team right now. 
Yeah, can't can every team say that though? Can't every team play the what what mm-hmm. if game? I mean, every game, look at the ACC. Almost every single game is a close game. Can't every team mm-hmm. play what if? What if we did this? What if we did that? Yeah, sure. What right. if the kickers didn't miss the field goals? How about what if the defense didn't get killed in the second half and allow Georgia Tech to control the entire clock? They had three right. possessions in the second half of the game. Right. And don't get me wrong. I'm not playing the what if game. What I'm really saying is even if this team did win, what, 7-0 and right now, they're really masquerading, really, because they're, they're truly a 3-14. and Like, if you see the way they play, there's nothing really that gives you this sense like they're a dominating 7-0 and team. It's almost reminiscent to, what was that season where they were beating Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, and then they went on that losing streak? It's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, they're, they're, they're not really a, a good team at this time, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, two other things really quick. I feel like this is inconsistent team, so I would suspect probably either two or three more wins coming out of the season. And that's just based, based off what you've already been seeing. I don't suspect five, five games being won. I, I just go 50%, and so two to three more games. And this whole Martell talk about why don't we play him, I don't think it matters. To, we heard all summer how Enos was brought in, and he was going to play an attacking style. He was going to play to the player's strengths. And I could be wrong, but I have not seen that. So if we put Martell in, I, don't, I, I wouldn't suspect to see anything different, really. I, I, I don't know. I, what do you think? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I, I, he's not good. Like, he's, he, he wouldn't be doing anything better than what the guys in there are doing. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, man, let me let some other guys get on here. Give us a call next week. All right, later. Thanks, Joel. Yep, talk to you next time. Let's go to the 912. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Yep, that's you. Who's this? Hey, this is Gene. This is Gene Way. It's been a long, long time since I've been on here. This hey, way, I up, wanted man? to digress back in the days. Um, uh, there was a mention about uh, some exciting games. Um, I remember that uh, that, that two-point conversion that uh, Nebraska failed to uh, to get. That was uh, that stadium was absolutely rocking back then. Yes, it was. So, um, yeah, good days back then. One of the things I wanted to ask – um, a little bit different than what most folks are talking. I, recruiting is kind of a discussion point, but I remember back when Schnellenberger and when Johnson and even even uh, Erickson, the one thing that those guys did that I, I constantly heard about on the news all the time is the footprint they had in New Jersey, the footprint they had in Pennsylvania, the footprint they had in Texas, and the footprint they had in California. You know, I'm I'm a big I'm a big advocate about speed coming out of South Florida, but. I mean, you look at the kids that are coming out of Wisconsin. That Wisconsin team beat the hell out of us. That offensive line was devastating, and they were not yep. Florida boys. So why in the hell don't we get out and go to where the real talent is at for what we need? Like, we need an offensive line. You don't get that in South Florida. You've got to go to Wisconsin. You've got to get up in the Midwest. You've got to get in the Iowa areas. Or if not, at least Pennsylvania or, or New Jersey. I remember you, you also – got, You've got to have the coaches that can go do it and win. 
You know, Art well, Kehoe for a while was, was very – he was successful doing that. He used to go to Canada and get one or two kids a year. Yeah, He'd be able to go to Pennsylvania. Who, who did he pull out of – who did he get out of Canada, by the way? Who was uh, uh, Raj, uh Sherko, I remember. Romberg. Yeah. Uh, yes. McGrath. Amazing. McGrath. I mean, he that's, used to, that's he'd what go to, he'd go, to do. He'd go up to football camps in Canada and would uh-huh. walk out of there with, 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 with a guy almost every year. So what do we have to do to attract guys out of Jersey and out of, out of, uh, you know, you've you got to have coaches that are, coaches that are capable of going there and, and winning, winning the recruiting battle. Have, if, if, if we don't do that, we will continue to be a mediocre team. No doubt. Um, it's all about, it's, it's uh, all about recruiting. It's, it starts and ends with recruiting. Well, I hear, you know, you're, the guys that are calling in and the guys that are on the board, they talk about Florida, 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 Florida. Florida's got great skill position players. I'm not a big advocate of the, the, the quarterbacks coming out of Florida because of the type of high school football that they play. And that's, see, that's another thing that I see, I've seen when I'm being around the country. Texas plays a different type of high school football than Florida. Maryland plays a different type of high school football. Same thing with up in Pennsylvania and Jersey. They play different types of games. And those players are kind of noted for that. If you can mix a blend of these guys and get them all on the same field, on the same team, that's when you have those national championship teams. Yeah. Don't disagree. So so is there anything that we we as fans or anything can suggest that they would listen to to get these guys? (laughs) Yeah, good luck on that. No, they're not. They're not looking for a phone call from you saying we got to recruit New Jersey, Pennsylvania, you know, the Midwest. No, they're not going to take that call. So what you got to hope for is that they figure it out on their own, that they get uh, the right person and the right people in the building and that things change. Well, hopefully um, to, to close out, I would say what they need to possibly consider is look at the teams that are winning the winning the championships, getting into the series, and see what kind of what's the formula that they're using to get to where they're getting wanting to be with these kids. And of course, you know, back in that time period, we have to remember they didn't have social media. So mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure social media plays a major role, but still, it, you're right. I think it's that face to face and that relationship building that needs to be played. All right, that's my sure. statement. Thanks a lot for taking my. All right, call. man. Thanks for being part of the show. Give us a call next time. Let's go to the two five one. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, Gear. Yes, sir. Who's this? Hey, man. This, this Brian. Man, this is my second time calling you. I called hey, you Brian. a couple of a couple of weeks ago. Man, I was just calling. You. I heard your show last week, but I didn't get a chance to get on. But man, I was in uh, Tuscaloosa <laughs> this past weekend. Got invited to go see the um. Alabama and on um, Tennessee game. Wow! And that's something. Yeah. That was a night game, right? Yeah, was it a day game, game or night game? Didn't no man, that game. They started that game, man. It was all um, nine o'clock, right? Nine o'clock. Did yeah. they? They would. I, I heard they whipped out those uh, L, uh, LED lights in the stadium. And... Oh man, that I'm gonna tell you something, man. <laughs> that's a totally different ball game up there, man. Totally different ball game. It was a situation with my job. Um, my drive trucks, and I deal with ammonia. So the company, know the company I want to see. Our CEO know a couple of people, man. So they got a couple of other guys that wanted to go to the game. We got tickets. And dude, mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you, man, that that was an experience. But um, 
when I got up there, and we was we had our own had like our own room off to ourselves, our own suite, whatnot. So we talked to a couple of the people up there, and I kid you not, um, one of my coworkers say, "Hey, you know he a Miami fan." So everybody turned and looked at me, so I dropped my head. So they started laughing, and he was like, "Well, we we you'll be an Alabama fan today." So we just talking, and you know one of the guys up there told me he was like, "Hey." Um, um, so how's it going in Miami? So I know they were just shooting the crap. And every last person in that room that was an Alabama fan told me, y'all head coaches in Oregon. He said, Mario Oh, they know, they know that job. in Alabama is better than anybody. They said Mario wanted that job so bad. In, of in, course. In, in it's, it's been his life dream to have the job. And they was like, that that it was one of those things where that's that wasn't the reason why he left Alabama, but he left Alabama because he wanted to to make that resume better. So he, he had to, to make Oregon, it better. Any 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 doing yeah. that? Yeah. So they say he went to Oregon not knowing that he was going to get that head coaching job, but he said um, Nick was pissed off about it, but he knew he had to make that move in order to make his resume better. Well, no. here's no here no here's why he made the move. He had to make the move to expose himself to another region of the country. It's like mm-hmm. everything that you know that he had done had been in the southeast. There's a lot of jobs, you know, you know, west out west, and you know, you what you're seeing is he immediately is rising to the top of the pack in the Pac-12. You know, Mario is a very talented guy, very smart guy. He's paid his dues. He's learned under the, you know, he spent the time under Saban. He was the head coach at FIU for many years. And, you know, people might poo-poo it all, his records, whatever. When you go through the experience of taking a program that has no facilities, is on probation, and you got to sit there and put your heart and soul into it and try to build it, and you get it to the point where it's winning a conference title and going to bowl games, and, and they, they beat Louisville one year, and, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's invaluable experience sitting in the head coach's job. Then you go work for the best coach in the game, and you know the blueprint. you got everything, the practice schedules, the training schedules. Exactly. You, you, learn, you learn every nuance of running a great program. He had to take that toolbox and go somewhere where he had a chance to expose himself and his skills to other people and other athletic directors to give himself a chance to get a head coaching job again. And you, and you saw how long it took him. One year. Exactly. One year. One year they watched him work at Oregon. And when Willie Taggart left to go take the FSU job, they gave him the job. One year. Of watching that guy One work. Year. And this what I don't understand about Miami, man. I, I promise you. Why in the hell? I mean, Blake James, man. Why would you hire a coach? I don't have nothing against Manny, but when Manny got that job, I knew this was going to happen. I told my cousin that was a bad hire. I, I don't understand Nothing against Mark Rick because Mark Rick did what he was supposed to do for that for for the University of Miami. He put us in a better. I feel like Mark Rick put us in a better place. But if you felt like that seven and six was a bad year and it was oh we got this going on, why would you hire somebody that was a part of that? Because now, like you just said earlier, now you're starting to see it just wasn't Rick. 
I knew. I said it from day one. It wasn't just Rick. I didn't. I don't need to see anything. Without a doubt. Oh, and and let me say this because I I I've been seeing this on message boards, YouTube. Danny knows. We talked about this too. Danny knows was never going to be the OC at the University of Alabama. No, never. Let me say this too, because I, I don't know if you know about this one. He was never going to only. He was never going to be the OC at Georgia. He was going to Georgia to be a quarter uh, the quarterbacks coach and a co OC with Coley. But you see what's going on up there. So Coley might be out of a job next year. But he was never going to be the OC at Alabama. And from what I was told, Manny got played when it came when it comes down to that money. Because Georgia was only going to offer him somewhere in the neighborhood between seven and maybe eight hundred. And Nick was not even going to offer him that much to stay. Mm-hmm. So he played Manny in order to get that money that he had. Yep, but he I was never I mean, they told me outright he was never going to be the OC at um, Alabama, nor did he even call any plays. Because they say he, they say the way Nick Saban pushed old coaches, he can't take it. And Nick Saban is, he, they say he run that program. When he tell you he want great Gatorade, it better be great Gatorade in that cooler. Oh, there's no he doubt. He ran it just like that. He ran it like this. One more other thing. My thing is this here. Everybody keep – I know you can't fire Manny this year. We know we can't do that. But my biggest thing is this here. Looking now, you know, where Miami is now, Miami needs to take some medicine, man, to just shit all this crap out. Whatever it takes, man, you got to do that now. You cannot You cannot give this program – another year of this here because whether we want to believe it or not, every year this happens, and, I mean, you can look at the recruit now, it sets our recruiting back even two years because you got to get I, a class in there. You got to get I 100% those agree. where they can play, where they can play, okay, when they start playing, okay, here come the next year, you have a messed up year that following year, okay, now you got to go back and get recruiting to try to get the recruiting back up. That's another year. So two years of bad not winning since you're recruiting back four years. Yep, I agree. So you got to fix this now. If you don't fix this now, this program is going to be lost. It's going to be lost. And I and I mean, I, I when, when that guy said that, I said, damn, you're right. He said, y'all head coaches in Oregon. He said, that man wants that job in Miami. Yeah, but he may not want it anymore if he wins the Pac-12 out there this year and they give him another raise and and, and you know he may he may not want it anymore. Yeah, you're right. But 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 you know what? I believe every coach want to go home. Every coach want to go home at some. Yeah, but sometime, but but, but is he going to is he going to want to go home and deal with the rebuild he's going to have to deal with when he's already rebuilt the other program and he can he can win the Pac-12 almost every year. That's the yeah, question. But, then, but, think, but, but see, here, here, here's, here's what's in Miami's favor. If you can come back home and get Miami winning, it'll be easier for you to get to the playoff through the ACC than it will with the pack. Because they, the pack, you got to fight needles and pins to try to get in the playoff. But I think it would be easier for him to come back home 
and get Miami where they need to be. And if, if Clemson is the only team you have to worry about, and, I mean, you ain't going to win all Clemson good, but you ain't going to win all the championships. Some years you're going to be down. And if I can beat Clemson maybe two or three times to get to the playoffs and maybe get to the championship, I'd rather take take on that than to be dealing with the pack. Yeah, well, we'll see. Right now it's not an issue. So we'll see what happens. Don't okay. be shocked if, US, right, if USC doesn't go after him also. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, man. Thank All you for right, being Have a good thank you for being part of the show. Yep. Give us a call next time. All right. Yep. All right. Let's go out to the uh, nine seven three. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary. Gary. Hey, what's up, Ross? How are you, man? This is the perfect time to put me on talking about where Mario's going to coach. I'm gonna tell you right now. We mess around, and he'd be in Tallahassee. Oh, they, they, they're, they're going to definitely want him. I don't know that he'll go fool there. But they'll definitely... if, yo, he'll do it just to be spiteful. We could fool around nah, if you want. Know. Okay. I don't know. We'll you see. guys keep saying No, I, listen, I, it's my greatest fear, trust me. Because okay, Mario you know what? Mario at Florida State would be a disaster for for us. And that's what Blake is looking for. He's looking to be a disaster here because he made a disaster higher and now it's falling on top of his head. Now, obviously, I'm late to the show. I listen to most of it. I'm late as far as calling in because I have stuff I had to do, not wasting my time on this nonsense early if I don't have to. But I'm going to chime in. Let me say this. I don't know if you guys covered this or not, but everybody wants to turn around and always blame the the players and all that. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give an ass-bake approach to this. Ask to the player and a lot, more than a half, to the coach on this one. Let's go back. Gary, a little bit back in LSU a couple of years ago, two years ago. Remember when we had a call that really went against us and we had people that's high in the sky and we never called up there and said, yo, hey, what was that play about? Can we get it returned? Should we, should we challenge it? Nobody called down. No coaches up top called down. My, my point is this. When the game started and a couple of games before that, they noticed that Ivy is being a lazy behind on that on that play. It's been scouted. Mm-hmm. It was scouted at the beginning of the game. But here's the mm-hmm. biggest foo-foo. Here's the biggest foo-foo. We have coaches that's in the box that's upstairs that have to see that and have to call down and say, Well, Man- Manny said they it. corrected it. Manny said they corrected that, it, and, that, he still, what, and he still screwed it up. Well, that tells me, that tells me the, they've locked the coaches out of their mind. Because what kid? that cares about what they're doing, cares about what he's putting on on, on, on video or film, that's going to be told that you're making a mistake by doing that, and on the next play or a couple of plays after, he's still making that mistake. So explain that to me, Gary. Where is the disconnect? That tells me you should never have that kid on the field again. Yeah, I don't know. But there's nobody being – there's no accountability there, okay? That, that There's no excuses for that. That's just a bad play as what happened when the kid got kicked out, Carter got kicked out the other night, and he never left the field. So what I, what did I always tell you? If I want to watch something I haven't seen in a long time, just watch the Miami game. And they have not failed me since. I come on here and I say that every week. You're going to see something new next week. Here's another thing. Manny Diaz expect us as like we're idiots. You're, trying, you're telling me you don't have a linebacker on the on the sideline that you – here's the thing. 
they take pride with moving the offensive linemen around, right? Well, the guard got to know how to play tackle. The tackle got to know how to play guard. The center got to play tard. But you can't do it with the linebackers. Every supposed to be a complete team. Yeah. And you're striving for greatness. I was what I was stunned. I I I, can't, I couldn't believe like how does Shaq not know how to Gary, play with linebacker positions? It's a lie. It's a, a lie. They're reward. They're rewarding guys that don't need to be on the field. The same way you're not going to agree with this. No, I'm telling way. you, Shaq. No, I'm Shaq about, no, does not know. Shaq, wait, wait, whoa, Ross, 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 Ross. Shaq does not know the responsibilities of the other linebackers. It's not just about so they couldn't. Not that so they couldn't. They and Sam Brooks backs up Shaq, and he's a true freshman. He only knows the one spot. I don't Gary. have any problem with that. Ross, Gary. I'm telling you what's going on. Don't Gary. Gary, can I make my listen, point? Can I make my listen. point? Listen, whoa, whoa, time out, Ross, 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 Ross. Just okay. give me a second. Okay. Let me get. Let, right. let me give me a second to okay. explain to you what reality is, and then you can go on. Okay. They did not have Shaq ready to play the other spot, so they could not bring Sam Brooks in because Sam Brooks only plays Shaq's position. That's why they brought the walk on in because they didn't have any other Please. option. Go ahead. I hear, I hear you. Now listen, Gary, 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 Gary. Listen. So we're telling. So, so what are we supposed to believe here that they know what they're doing? Because here's the thing. I could go to Tulsa, even UConn, from Notre Dame to UConn to Tulsa to Memphis, and I guarantee you, I will find a kid that could come in and play both sideline to sideline, Sam Will and whatever it is on every team, even Cincinnati. Again, these guys are not talking to idiots. I am far from an idiot. You're not going to keep telling me something. You just keep pouring water in my face, and you're really pee-pee in my eyes. Okay? Stop the foolishness already. Gary, uh, Ross, in this case, it was not foolishness. They were totally honest. <laughs> they said Shaq well, can't that. play the other position. They're not well, lying. I mean, it's, well, un, it's, un, it's unimaginable, but they're telling you the truth. And how do we expect and, and how do we expect then for them to be able to get a kicker prepared? How, do, how am I supposed to expect them in order for them to get a defensive lineman to be lined up in the same spot. I'm watching running backs that's running away from blitzing linebacker that's coming straight towards them. They're moving like they don't see the linebacker coming, and they should be blocking and clocking up that hole. How am I, why am I not surprised that number 55 on our offensive line is out of shape and everybody else that's supposed to be playing the position is in pretty good shape? It's unbelievable. You know, at least last week they they kind of sent him a message by playing John Campbell. But it it's unbelievable that fifty five is that is in such bad shape as he is. He's, okay. he's supposed to be your best lineman, the guy you're counting on the most. He should be in the best shape on the damn football team. Because he's like, been there long. Ross, this, 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 Ross, this stuff does not happen by accident. This team is I not know. three and four by accident. Like and he's, and he's supposed to be the elder statesman on that on that line. <laughs> yeah. How does the guy? How does, Ross, how does Jeff Thomas, the guy you're counting on to be your most explosive offensive playmaker, how does he get suspended in the sixth week of the damn season? Agree. And there's another thing, and I want to get to a couple other points. Gary, I don't care who they. T- so you're telling me then. Every one of those wide receivers could only play one position. So that's why I got to keep throwing fadeaways, not in line to the post in the end zone, in line, well, not to the post, but you know what I mean, like in the middle of the end zone. I'm running fadeaways to cornerbacks that's bigger than my wide receivers. 
him. Well, that's a whole Bigger other deal. I don't, you know, wide receiver. You know, I don't, I don't know what the situation was. I, that's another situation Wait. that I, – and I don't think Wait, we know another. what the real reasons are and all that. You know, maybe Gary, it is. Maybe, well, maybe that's throw, what it is. Gary, Ross, you're, assume, you're assuming. You're assuming. You're assuming. You don't know don't that. Throw, sure. Don't throw that because all, all he's making is a mockery of the whole thing. Here's another thing that, that – let's not let Enos – I got one for Enos right now. Three weeks in a row, you've shown us that you're not – you don't know what you're doing over there. You got killed in the Virginia Tech game in the – in the end zone, murdered. And the first opportunity you get again, you're running a screen pass that have to leave your quarterback in the end zone, <laughs> and he gets sat for a fumble for a touchdown. Think about it, Gary. You just went through that two weeks ago. That yep. is a weakness on your team, and you're asking your offensive lineman to to think and block somebody that's the worst part of your game, worst part of your team. Well, and in, in, fair, in fairness to Enos, you're not you're not assuming that uh, Scaife is going to just turn his guy loose like that. Like you know, Gary, it's not about that. You use your common sense as a play caller and say, "Listen, let me run three running plays here and get out of dodge." Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not running screens out of the end zone either. Trust me. So that's what I'm saying. So what, what, what I'm, my point, and I'm going to hang up here, is that let's not make it what it's not. This is all on Manny. This is all on the coaches because you know what happens when you you know what happens when you're not getting the job done, you get replaced. And even though he's not going to get replaced, and I know this is on a smaller scale, Gary, it's on a smaller scale. But look what happened at Kansas. They were like three or four weeks into the into the season. They didn't like what the offensive coordinator was doing. They fired him. They made a change, and they was paying him big money. Mm-hmm. But they made it. They swallowed that. So we are not being coached. We're not being coached up in any department of this, of this team. Not none. I'm not impressed with any of it. And let's not talk about recruiting because we're killing ourselves by knowing that. Yep. I'm done. I'm out. You, all right, I Ross. Kind of talk, I didn't hear everything. I don't know what you said. But this is embarrassing. It's appalling. It's unacceptable. Period. Yep. All right, man. We'll talk next week. You got it. All right, I got four guys on the board right now. We got ten minutes of show left, so talk fast. Let's go to the seven seven two. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. This is uh, Hurricane Andrew from Orlando. What's up, man? What you got? Talk. Uh, quite disappointed. I echo the sentiments of everybody else. Uh, I like the valuable stuff that uh, everybody has said, but. Um, you made some suggestions about changes that need to be made on the uh, coaching staff, and I think the obvious wasn't um, called out. I think uh, we need to uh, get rid of the former graduate assistants on defense as well, and uh, we need to get rid of the offensive coordinator. Those are, yeah, I don't uh, see that happening. I mean, Dan Enos has, I, I think, a three-year contract. He makes uh, 1.5 a year. I don't see them buying out $3 million of contract on an OC. So I'll be shocked if he's not back. I mean, it, it, it's it's better to do that than to try to replace Manny. I mean, we don't. none of us want Manny to begin with, but we, we're well, look, with This was Manny's hand-picked guy, so Manny you know, probably is going to have to live with it. If, I, if, I, Man, I if, Manny, if, if Manny didn't do his homework, it's on Manny. I just I don't see uh, I don't see I, Miami buying out two years of Dan Enos. I mean, it, it would help us vastly uh, on offense because we do have some. Well, it depends players. who you replacing them with. Um, you just went through thing, 
You d- you, wait, you, right. you just went through it, and this is who you chose. So who? Right, so you're going to fire him? Who are you going to replace him with? If you could replace him with, if you had somebody better, you would have hired him in the first place. I, I, I seriously doubt that, and that's based on um, Manny's limited uh, network. That, that, no, I understand. No, I agree with that. He does have a limited network, but if he could hire somebody better than Dan Enos, he would have done it the first time around. Is what I'm saying. I don't think so. I I, I don't believe. All right. I don't. I don't believe. Well, he didn't hire Dan Enos because he thought he was the second or third best candidate he had. I mean, Fedora was out there. Major Applewhite was out there. Yeah, they didn't want to come here. They did not want to come here and be the offensive coordinator for Manny, who they think they're better than. Larry Fedora was a head coach at North Carolina for, what, six, seven years or whatever? He was a head coach at, what, at Southern Miss before that? He's not coming here to be Manny Diaz's offensive coordinator. There's no way. Well, that's the that's the thing. What 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 are we gonna do to fix this stuff? You're talking about adjustments wow. need to be made on the stage. Who's gonna go? Who's gonna come and and, and um work for Manny Diaz? Who's gonna come and play for that? That's Everybody, the question. And that's the question that needed to be asked on December the thirtieth before this move was made. That was the question that Blake James needed to ask, and I don't um, think he did. I, I, I appreciate what Blake James did as far as having those uh, press conferences because all he's done is uh, signed his name on the death warrant. If this stuff isn't fixed by the end of the year, possibly next year, he's definitely gone. I mean, oh. th- this is embarrassing. I wasted I-, I wasted my time coming down there on Saturday for that for that bull crap. Yeah. I-, 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 I feel I- for you guys, especially you guys that travel for these games, and and uh, I mean it- it's expensive, it's time consuming. And when you don't get pleasure out of it, I get it. Listen, this Willie Taggart fiasco at Florida State, their athletic department this year is going to lose fifteen million dollars. Well, fifteen you, to eight, they're, they're fifteen to eighteen million dollars because of the fiasco of Willie Taggart. Florida State's losing this year because people well, don't want to donate, people don't want to buy tickets. You know, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. The, 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 the difference in his situation and what my what what Miami is going through is apple and oranges because in Tallahassee that 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 wasn't an easy fix when Jimbo left. We all know that. That that that. Well, that, this that, is that, not that, an easy fix right now either. I mean, it was initially though. It was initially. No, uh, no, it, it really okay, wasn't. Okay. That that was that 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 might have been the belief, and that might have been the mistake of Blake James. But it was not an easy fix, and it's still not an easy fix. So, anyway, listen, I got to let these other guys get on. Give us a call next week a little earlier, okay? Sure. You got it, man. Thank Thanks you. for being part of the show. Let's go to the 850. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up, man? Who's this? Hey, this is Zach, first time caller. Hey, what's up, Zach? You got to get in earlier, but hey, go ahead, talk fast. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, I was but I'm glad you called. You. I like first, I, I like first time yeah, callers. I talked, so. you, I talked to you at the uh, the Florida game when the team was getting there. You probably don't remember me. Oh yeah, I remember you. I do. Outside yeah, yeah. of the um, outside of the uh, Camping World Stadium, I remember. Right. Go yeah. ahead. What you what what you got I tonight? The thing that was most telling at the press conference, this last press conference, um, when Diaz said we're gonna make it harder for uh teams to beat us. Not that we're going to go out there and kick people's ass, but just just let, make it hard for them to beat us. Yeah, and? You st- and 
I'm just seeing that, and I'm like, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I know you're there every day, but, I mean, what's your thoughts My on thoughts that? are it's, it's not happening that way. <laughs> They're making yeah. it easy for teams to beat them. Oh, yeah. You it, just had a team look, I'm a that's four touchdowns worse walk into Hard Rock Stadium and win. You got to work look, hard to let that happen. Fan, you got to work I'm hard. I'm a Dolphins fan, but but what I see with Brian Flores is he has no talent he's working with, but he's building a team there. You can see he's got the team prepared. They're playing in the first half, but then it's like with us, we never come out prepared. I mean, it's just ridiculous. No, they're getting out coached quite a bit. All right, Zach. Yeah, hey, call in I, earlier I, next week, okay? All right. We'll I, I got I got two more guys that want to get on here in the next three minutes, so um. Call in, call in earlier next week. All right. All right. And it was, and it was great meeting you in Orlando. Thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to two hundred three. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. Uh, I'm calling first time this year, but um, uh, and I missed the first three quarters of the show, so a lot of this probably has been go, uh, raked over. But I'll say a couple of things. First of all, your instincts initially about Manny. We're right on, and I thought you were 180 degrees wrong or not giving him a full chance. Uh, I'm a total believer right now in your initial assessment of this guy, unfortunately, and he seems like a very, very nice guy. Uh, He must have had some talent at one point and certainly on the defensive side, but it is totally uh, absent uh, without leave. Uh, two things. Number one, his instincts. His instincts to not recruit when he saw what was going on or what was not in place uh, as a as a place kick, place kicker, not to not to recruit when he had a chance this past uh, winter and and early spring. He he obviously sat on his hands. They made no moves on that on that place kicking. The other thing, and that was this uh, 30-30 hindsight, the other is his absolute lack of fundamentals, certainly on the, on the defensive side. The, the tackling is like uh, fifth rate. It's unbelievable. It's not one or two guys. It's almost throughout. And mm-hmm. when they make contact, they're almost always being uh, uh, thrust off. So – this guy is out of his depth all the way through. The quicker they could make some arrangement to get him replaced, the better. I'm afraid we've got uh, uh, we got a, at least a year from what you're saying, and probably two or three years of dismal recruiting and 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 more than that ahead of us. Uh, <laughs> I wish there was some other some other way of doing it, but we've got to admit admit that uh, that Blake James made a couple of terrible choices and and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Blake James the guy who made that fiasco of a totally unnecessary payment with uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, uh Rick or Golden uh when uh paying uh <laughs> some additional bonus after uh, after there was mediocre at best uh performance and he uh uh he 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 piled on. Uh, he he should never been in this place, and we've got a uh, we've got a, uh, as a result of his having made the choice for Manny instead of, as you've said, a real good shot at getting uh, 
of getting uh, our former offensive coordinator uh, out in uh, Oregon. this is a fiasco, and, and let's cut the cord as quickly as we can. All right, well, let's see what happens Saturday. Call, uh, give us a call next week, and we'll uh, talk a little more about it. All right? We're out of show. Okay. So I pre- appreciate you. All right, I know I got one more uh, caller on the line. I apologize. We're not going to get to you tonight. Uh, give us a call next Tuesday. Get in a little earlier, and uh, we'll make sure you get on. Um, I want to thank uh, Sicilian Oven as always, for sponsoring tonight's show. Six locations throughout South Florida. Um, phenomenal Italian food and great pizza. And you've got the location at, in Lighthouse Point at the shops at Beacon Light. You've got the plantation location at the Fountains Complex off University Drive. The Aventura location, 205th and Biscayne. Coral Springs, Sample Road, 101st. Fort Lauderdale location, Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview, where they have that full liquor bar. If you need a place to watch the game this week in South Florida, Sicilian Oven would be a phenomenal place for you to choose. Uh, We'll be back next Tuesday night to slice and dice the Pittsburgh game, noon kickoff on Saturday. Uh, If you're going to be in Pittsburgh, I'll be down on the field before the game. Make sure you say hello. Always love meeting everybody. And until then, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.